Hello and welcome to the Back Check, the Hockey History Podcast, where we talk about the cases for hockey players going to the Hall of Fame. My name is Riley, and over there is Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And uh, today is uh, another part, I think, believe part three in our special series on the heart. Um, and today we are talking about the heart trophies awarded during the so-called original six era, which of course was not the original era for the NHL, but rather what you could roughly define as, as the second era or even um, the third, depending on how you want to uh, uh, slice and dice that. But it was the era when there were only six teams and there were six teams from the 1942-43 season through the 1966-67 season. And so we're going to be talking about those heart trophies just over 20 years worth. Yes. Uh, it's it, sort of that episode. classic era that everybody refers to, right? Like it's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, what my parents or your parents or people their age would refer to as like, I used to know the names of every player in the NHL. Be like, there were not that many guys, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and 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 also like when I think because of that, when we think of like old time hockey players, a lot of us think of like the original six era, not so much the era we talked about in the last episode. Um, though obviously the stars from that era we've heard of, like, you know, Howie Morenz or Eddie Shore or whatever, these guys, there's going to be a lot more familiar names now, uh, you yes. know, uh, especially with the Habs being the Habs yeah. and, the, and the Red Wings being the Red Wings. So first up, we have uh, 1943 uh, Hart Trophy that went to Bill Cowley. It was his second trophy. We talked about his first in uh, the previous episode, and he was on the Bruins. And that Bruins team was the second best team in the league uh, by points and by hockey references, simple rating system, which we talked about in previous episode, how they figured that out. They were actually the third best team. Of course, nobody knew that at the time. Um, so Cowley uh, was pretty good choice, it seems. He, he led the league in assists. Um, he came in second in points by one. Uh, but he played two fewer games, um, so he was actually the point-per-game leader and the assist-per-game leader, both of those things. Uh, he was barely the point-per-game leader, but he was still the point-per-game leader. And, of course, he was on, like I said, he was on one of the best teams in the league. His main um, competition is, uh, or the Bentley brothers, uh, Doug and Max, who were on the Blackhawks, um, who were uh, uh, the Blackhawks, if we all remember um, from back then. Uh, so the Blackhawks were, of course, a sad sack franchise for a very long time. And these Blackhawks were, I don't know if they were quite, if this is the point yet in which, because at one point they were owned by the the Red Wings owner, right? For a while. Wasn't it that? Am I, I don't recall that. Oh, okay. I could be wrong about that. But there was some kind of thing where for a while there was like an ownership conflict between the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. And so the Blackhawks were like starved of talent. They, the, the Red Wings would just like take it. That's, I'm pulling this out of my ass, but I, I have heard this from somewhere. Anyway, probably regardless of whether or not that was true, fan. sorry, uh, probably some disgruntled Chicago. Yeah, fan. the like the like one guy who was a Blackhawks fan before yeah. 2010. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but whether or not I just invented that uh, out of whole cloth, uh, the Blackhawks were not a good team. They didn't make the playoffs in a in a league in which 67 percent of teams made the playoffs. So it's easy to see why the Bentleys were not considered, um, you know, great choices, even though Doug Bentley actually came in second in voting. Yeah. You can 
you can understand why uh, they would uh, <laughs> they would look at uh, the Bentleys and be like, well, maybe not, because they were not making the playoffs. Um, the best team in the league was the Red Wings, but uh, Sid Howe had 55 points to uh, to Cali's 72 or Doug Bentley's 73, so he was way off. Um, the Leafs were the best offensive team and had guys who scored 60 points. And the Red Wings were also the best defensive team. So the only, as far as I can tell, the only case really against Cali would be uh, Alex Motter, the the best defenseman on the uh, on the Red Wings, who did not get um, at least he wasn't in the top five of hard voting. He may not have even gotten a single vote. So I, I don't know. But yeah, and I, I mean, like if you if you look at um... If you look at the Bentley brothers, you know, 73 points and 70 points. And then you've got Cowley sitting at 72. So um, one of the Bentley brothers beats him by one point. But they're playing together. He seems yeah. you know, the next best guy on on, uh, on the Bruins or at least the next sort of best player on their team had 44 points. Like, well, he's kind of a he's, he's a one man wrecking crew, you know, and it's like sometimes you get that thing where you have two guys who play really well together, but they sort of they basically screw each other out of the heart because they work so well together that you can't say one of them is more important than the other. Um, and, and that inevitably sort of happens, right? Which is why, you know, when the Sedins each won one, it was shocking that that, because they're like, well, they're kind of a package deal, but the both of them got hurt when each one of them had their sort of amazing season. You're like, oh, they can play with the, the other guy pretty well still. And then obviously Crosby was hurt those years with his big concussion problem. So that probably helped as well. But like, you almost need to see a little bit of individual brilliance, not sort of you play great with these guys. It's not a dominant line. It's like this one player is the guy. And that, well, I think that fits a lot, right? So. Well, also, uh, Cowley missed two games and Doug Bentley didn't, right? So, like, yes, yes. had so Cowley played all all uh, 50 games, he would have had more he points. Doug. Now, you would, yes. had Max played all 50 games, he would have had more points than Doug as well and would have had probably the same as Bill Kelly, but like, I don't know. I mean, like to me, it's, it's pretty simple. They all put up points at a similar rate, but Kelly was on a team that was far superior. So yes, he was on a better team, but he was also the man on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of the point I'm making, right? Like the other guys are like, well, these guys are both great. This is like, no, Kelly's great. Um, you know, kind of not, not by himself, but with not, that other great player to help him sort of pad his, you, you don't want to say pad your stats, but if you've got two guys who are scoring, um, you know, the, uh, the Bentleys had 33 and 26 goals. Cowley had 27 goals. You know, it's like, well, they're probably getting assists on each other's goals a lot of the yeah. time. So it kind of adds up, right? You're, du- you're, you're sort of double dipping a little bit there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that that, you know, there, there's two sides of that argument. The other argument is, you know, you shouldn't punish a star for playing with another star. But oh, I agree. Yeah. in this case, I think you can say, well, that doesn't matter, especially because their team sucked, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. they were like, you know, it's not really, uh, you know, you can throw that out. I, 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 I'm, I am the older I get, the more I'm, I'm agreeing with that argument, especially where it comes to the sport that I follow most now, which is basketball, in which there are lots of teams with multiple stars. Yeah. 
Why do but they like, have to? Because otherwise they can't compete whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And then you're like, well, like the best player in the league is, say, on a team with another, like the fifth best player in the league, and they, people won't vote for him for the MVP because he's on a team with the fifth best player. It's like, well, that's not his fault, you know? Yeah. But anyway, um, I don't think it applies in this case because, like, frankly, uh, you know, the the Blackhawks were uh, were not, even with those two-star players, they were not a great offensive team. And they were, uh, I mean, they were mediocre defensively. In fact, they were just mediocre at both, um, which is, so maybe, maybe the Bentleys were sort of alone in terms of the scoring, but like, you know, they just weren't good enough. And so, and then Cali was on this good team. And like you said, he was, he was fairly out in front on the next guy in terms of points. And, you know, unless you want, unless you're determined to like give it to a player on the Red Wings, because the Red Wings were legitimately better than everybody else by you know a fair amount eight eight sorry eight points no not eight points uh four sorry four points in the standings but like by by srs it was a lot um it it's uh you know unless you're determined to give it to someone on the red wings or you're determined to go revisionist history and give it to someone on the maple leafs who were by srs the best uh the sorry the second best team but no one could have known that at the time then I think Cali's the Cali makes perfect sense here and like is like the completely reasonable choice. Yeah, and you know what? It's 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 one of those things too where when you have a lot of um, you know similar stat lines and similar sort of well these guys all kind of scored about the same. What do we do? And it's like well, which team's way worse if they don't have that one guy? And it's like well probably the Bruins since he was their leading scorer by a lot. You know like yeah. it's and. I don't even think it should matter. Like a lot of people make that argument, like, well, he's the best player on the best team. He should win it. Be like, well, if he's the guy who makes them clearly the best team and, you know, like a McDavid or like without yeah. him, it would be, you know, you get a guy like Taylor Hall the year that he won. It's like, do you, do you have any idea how bad that team would be without him? <laughs> like he makes such a difference. So I, I, I don't mind the years where it's like this guy made the biggest difference on his team the, that I'm okay with. Um, Unless the team, you know, he kept the team afloat and cost them a really good draft pick by being the same as someone else. I'm like, okay, maybe. But if he's like by leaps and bounds, you know, putting up better stats than everybody else on a team where he's the one guy doing the heavy lifting, it's like, yeah, that's no matter what the record is, you're almost like that guy should probably get recognition for dragging this team to some respectability by just his, you know, his work alone sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, it's obviously not the case here, but it's just, uh, there's so many different reasons you can give one, but I think choosing the best player on the best team, some people sort of insist on that. I'm always like, where do you like, yeah, you, you can't believe that should always be the case. Like if you're stuck and you don't know what to say, be like, okay, well, yeah, I guess I'll go with that argument. That's fine. But like some people just like, no, you know, his team didn't make the play or his team wasn't even good. How can you give him that? Like, Really? <laughs> Come on, dude. Like, it's, it's an individual award. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think we're both okay with Cali. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so fine. next, uh, the next season, uh, 90, 43, uh, things are different. Um, Babe Pratt, uh, a, a Maple Leaf defenseman, uh, won the heart. And uh, the Maple Leafs were third by points. SRS paints them actually as the second best team, not the third best team. Um which is crazy because they were actually eight points behind uh, the Red Wings for a third, but I guess their their uh, goal differential was better and and the strength of schedule um, 
with it. I don't know exactly. Um, oh, you know what else is uh, Red Wings benefited, I guess, from some ties as well. More ties, something like that. Anyway, okay. uh, so here's the thing about this year. The Habs were really, really, really good. <laughs> I believe they set the record for the most points, team points, by a team in the history of the NHL. However, due to some creative thinking on the part of uh, voters, and and perhaps reasoning along the lines of, uh, you know, something along the lines of both of us were alluding to in the conversation a minute ago, is maybe they they thought really hard about this and couldn't decide who on this team should be considered the best player. Maybe there were too many good players, but basically despite the Habs being the best team in history in some ways, in, at least, at least by total points, you could obviously, if you were doing, you know, team points per game, it wouldn't be true because the season was much longer now than it used to be. Um, they were the best offensive team in the league. They were the best defensive team. Bill Durham had by one standard uh, goal goalie point shares, the best season in the history of the league, though, obviously that's flawed because again, there's more points up for grabs. So of course he had more points. Uh, and yet, despite all these things, oh, and Herb, uh, Herb Kane on the Bruins, um, set the, uh, set the record for total, uh, points, individual points, though the Bruins missed the playoffs this year. So he was, I guess, deemed ineligible, but despite all this, <laughs> Babe Pratt, a defenseman on a team, uh, that was, uh, not anywhere near as good as the Canadians were defensively was given the heart and, Wow. My only my only understanding of this is that I believe Babe Pratt shattered the defenseman scoring record. Okay, yeah, must have been right. Because like, so he had he had fifty eight points as a defenseman in, in fifty good, games, yeah. which is bonkers for back then. Wow. Uh, uh what is it? Uh, one point one six points per game, which for a defenseman in in the forties is uh, out of out of control. Pretty incredible, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's it's interesting how many of the names are coming back of like, like we're starting to get into that era where you know some of the names and Babe Pratt's not one of them that jumps off the page, but Bill Dernan I remember seeing like an old Montreal Canadiens yeah. video when I was a kid from like the eighty eight eighty nine season and there was like a record Patrick Roy broke that season held still held by Bill Dernan fifty years later like yeah. wow he must have had a hell of a season oh no he did yeah. he well he yeah. was he was a uh, I mean I don't know and. I'm not a Habs fan, but like he was a very good goalie for a long oh, time. Yeah, that's what I understand. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, names like Elmer Locke and, um, you know, like there's, there's some serious guys who, you know, are well-recognized hockey players here. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, yeah. it's, it's interesting too. The only guy that you put on the list uh, for, uh, for, from uh, the Detroit, um, actually not the only one, the second the, the first one on your list here, uh, Brunito. Yeah. I'm assuming I'm assuming that's Mud Brunito, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's actually a great uh, great trivia question answer. He's the goal scorer of the longest uh, NHL overtime game of all time. He was the guy who scored the goal. Oh, okay. I did uh, not know. Back that. in like 1936, the the Red Wings beat the Canadians in like six overtime, five or six overtimes, and he scored the goal. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that is him. That is him. Um, yeah, fifty three points. Why that name jumped off the page? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, I guess he was the best forward. Um, 
Oh no, second best forward on the on that right wings team. Uh, Carl Iscone had more points, but so like as much as you may have just been complaining about the best player on the best team argument, I think this is a case that that might actually be appropriate. I think so too. Yeah, because just that dominant like. Well, here's the thing. You know, Elmer Lack, who led the Canadians in points, he had 72 points, and he was fifth overall in the league. But, like, the leader, Herb Kane, was on the Bruins, who sucked. And, like, <laughs> when I say that, you know, they missed the playoffs. Um, and then you have, uh, who's next? Uh, you have Doug Bentley, again, um, who was on the Blackhawks, who did miss uh, make the playoffs this time, but, like, we're still the worst playoff team, you know? So, <laughs> so that's not great. And then you have, um, you have Lauren Carr and the Leafs. So the Leafs are only 33 points behind the Canadians. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have, uh, Liscombe, uh, who is on, uh, at least by points, the second best team in the league, the Red Wings. I mean, Maybe, but Liscombe has one more point than than Lack, um, and maybe maybe we shouldn't be thinking about forwards. Maybe we should be thinking about defensemen. Maybe the uh, maybe Butch Bouchard uh, is yeah. the uh, or sorry, uh, wrong year here. Uh, yeah, sorry, wrong year. Um, Leo Lamoureux uh, actually had the most uh, defensive point shares for the Canadians that year. But like, I don't know who should have won this award necessarily um i do feel like maybe it should have been a hab but i'm not sure it should have been uh a defenseman on the third best offensive team and second best defensive team but when i say second best defensive team gave up uh 65 more goals over 50 games than the habs did like like you said before, it's like he just he put up 58 points as a defenseman in 50 games. Yeah. You know, that's those are like Paul Coffey esque numbers. Where, yeah. You know, had Paul Coffey not played on the team with Wayne Gretzky, he probably would have won a few hard trophies. You know, like oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was putting up those kind of numbers. So I mean, yeah. it's something to be said for that as well. So I think that's maybe if if you shatter a record, people are just automatically and he didn't win it by much either. Like the voting was really close. Yeah, it was. And weirdly, weirdly, it was, Callie was the one who yeah. uh, who was getting so much votes. And just to, so people know this, because we're, of course, looking at the stats so we can see this. But Callie uh, uh, missed uh, 14 games. Um, he had 71 points, which puts him almost in the top five, but he missed 14 games. So presumably, at least some of the people who voted for Pratt over Callie were like, hey, well, Pratt, Pratt played. <laughs> you know, like Callie missed... Uh, a third of the season, basically. But had 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 Cowley played that third, he probably would have won it pretty easily, I would think. Presumably, well, yeah, because he was like the best forward in the league at this point, or very close to yep. it. Um, because you know he was just as he just won the previous heart and and also led the league in points per game both years, and you know this is, um, but anyway, um, like I don't know what to do here personally, and I think for me the only thing because I'm such a skeptic of like narrative, the only thing that like would really like convince me absolutely that Pratt really deserved it would be like watching some like games from then and just seeing if he's like actually proto Bobby Orr or something. And then yeah. I'd be like, Oh, okay, I get it. But like, yeah. without that, I'm like, I'm skeptical. I'm like, eh, yeah, eh, I think it should be a hab, but I don't, I don't yeah. know. 
I, I, yeah, or you can make that argument for Cowley, like it's not his fault he got hurt, and he was yeah. putting up, like he did have the best rate. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think I would be okay with Cowley. I'd be okay with the Hab, but I, if if he set the record for points by a defenseman and he was the only defenseman on the scoring list, it's kind of like, well, I can see why they did it, maybe. So, so the other the other vote in Cowley's favor is that in in forty three when he won, but like he barely won the points per game race. In in forty four, he was point three ahead of Herb Kane, who was the the Art Ross leader, the Art Ross champion. So it wasn't just a little bit this time. Um, so, but the problem, of course, being is that the uh, Bruins missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know. <laughs> Stings a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I want. I kind of want to give it to. Elmer Lack, but I can't convince myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, my, my answer to this one is shrug. I, I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> well, it's, it, you can't feel too bad for Elmer because he wins the next one, right? So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, uh, spoiler. Um, in 1945, uh, Elmer Lack won the heart. Uh, the Canadians were once again the best team in the league, though they weren't slightly less dominant than the previous season. Um, though I believe they still were the best offensive team in the league and the best defensive team. Yes. But they were, like I said, not quite as dominant. Uh, this time it went to um, the best player on the best team, but he was also, uh, he had the highest points per game of anyone in the league. He won the Art Ross. Um, it seems fairly open and shut. The only, I think, argument anyone could make that, Lack didn't deserve it is if you're one of those people who just values goals more than point uh, total points. And in that case, you might want to give it to uh, the Rocket. But uh, yeah. it was the next, be- next best player, uh, next best forward anyway, by like all, all of that standard. Yeah. But it seems pretty open and shut. So. Sorry? They finished 1-2 in the voting. So, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. pretty, pretty clear, right? So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems pretty straightforward. All right. Uh, 1946, uh, the return of the Bentleys. Uh, Max Bentley uh, is the Hart winner. Um, he was on the Blackhawks, who were third in points, and SRS has them as actually the second best team. Um, Max led the league in points per game. He also led the league in points, won- winning there at Ross, and uh, point shares as well. Um, again, the Habs were the best team in the league, but this time it was way closer than oops had been previous years in fact they were only five points ahead of the next best team this time which like had not been true for the previous two seasons the blackhawks were uh not great but also not terrible Uh, they were a playoff team at least um yeah so like bentley's clearly the best forward he's nine points up in the art ross and in terms of points per game he's uh, point one, which is still decent, um, ahead of a uh, ahead of both. In fact, the top three guys in points per game in the league this year were all Blackhawks. Um, so that line was uh, the the t- Blackhawks scored two hundred goals that year, uh, which is you know pretty good for fifty games. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what what was that line? Was it Bentley, Bentley, and Quackenbush? I don't actually know. Uh, 
like I, uh, I assume it's ben- both Bentleys. Um, the guy who who's finishes second in overall is Bill Mozienko. Um, okay. But but I don't know if he played with them on the same line. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know enough about the Blackhawks to know yeah. whether they played together. Um, yeah, I, I believe Quackenbush's name there, so I, I thought he might be the guy. Yeah. So. Well, Bent. So Max is a center, Doug's a left wing, Mozienko's a right wing. So it stands okay. to reason they were probably probably yeah. a, a a line, but I don't know. Um, so I don't know about you. I think I'm okay with this one. Um, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, if they if they scored that much and he was the top scorer, like yeah. Yeah, they were far. They were far and away the best offensive team. They were what uh, twenty six goals ahead of the next best offensive team over fifty games. So that's like yeah, half, if it's that, half a goal, if it's, right? Yeah, if it's that one line that's dominating, like picking the the guy who ends up with the highest point total from that line. Even though I said before that, like you know, if there's a guy doing it all by himself, I mean, if they're that dominant, you're you know, it's kind of like when they had that uh, that uh, Fors, Forsberg. Um, Forsberg, Tange, and Hayduke line that was just like unbelievably good. And you're like, well, let's maybe pick the best guy. Or, you know, Naslin, Bertuzzi, and Morrison. Like, okay, the line's good, but that one guy is like, a li- yeah. you know, a Forsberger. And I'm like, he's also kind of the guy who the line's good. He makes the line fantastic kind of thing, you know. Or maybe yeah. uh, if you think about the modern equivalent now, maybe like the Bruins line, um, you know, and it. I, I would assume you'd assume it's Bergeron, but uh, a lot of people, because yeah. of the point totals that he puts up, might assume now that it's Marchand. So, uh, yeah. um, although Pasternak's no slow either with all those yeah. goals, so it's I think I think it actually in some cases hurts people. But if if they're that dominant and there's no other player who sort of stands out as like doing all the lifting by himself, like why wouldn't you just give it to the best guy on that line? And it's it's yeah. almost like everyone acknowledges that like, hey, this is kind of like it's an award for you. But your line mates obviously have a lot to do with this as well, so it's kind of a it's kind of a line award almost. And I, you know what? That's actually an interesting idea. Why yeah. doesn't NHL have a best line award? Oh, presumably in part because they don't always consistently play together all players. Yeah, but I don't know. Some lines really do, right? Like, yeah, why yeah, yeah. Have a best line in the NHL award. That'd be a really cool award. It would be a cool award. Yeah. Um, like for me, the only other option here would be like. Uh, defenseman on the Habs, which I'm not sure. Like, does anyone want to like make Glenn Harmon the, uh, the MVP? Uh, I don't know. Um, and you know, I I know we've talked a lot in in previous episodes about goalies and whether or not they should win the heart. Yeah. You could argue for Bill Dernan here, except for the fact that he had objectively better seasons. Yeah. And so if you were to argue for Bill Dernan here, then you're like, well, then you should probably argue for Bill Dernan in like '43. Yeah. Or 44, whatever year it was he was. Oh, 44, sorry. Um, yeah. And maybe even, and maybe 45. Well, basically all the time at this yeah. point in his career because he was the best goalie in the league as far as I can tell. Anyway, I'm I'm personally, like, I'm very okay with Max Bentley. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Fine. So, 47. Uh, it's the Rockets' first heart uh, only. I don't remember. Um, the Habs were once again, shock of all shocks, the Habs were once again the best team in the league, but they were once again only a little bit better than their competition compared to those two years earlier in the 40s when they were just a million times better than everybody else. Um, they were actually only the fifth best offensive team in the league, but they were uh, 
significantly better defensively than everybody else, uh, which presumably why they uh, were able to do so well. Um, given so it is, it's a little weird uh-huh. that Richard won it in a year in which the Habs were not a good offensive team. Yeah. Um, however, he scored seventy-one points, um, which is second overall in terms of uh, points by one point, and he was point zero uh, eight points per game off the lead for points per game. And I think the argument here is not only was he the best player, um, or best forward rather, on the best team in the league, but presumably that he was scoring a huge chunk of their goals. Yeah. Uh, because uh, how many goals he had this year? He had 45. Um, be- <laughs> because uh, he, you know, he it, it, they weren't a good offensive team, but like, I don't know. I, I have to pull up the actual team to see how much how many more points he scored than anyone else. Um, let me see here. Oh, 21. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty significant. That's over. <laughs> that's over 60 games. So that's yeah. a fair a fair amount. Yeah. Um, and uh, so presumably that is the rationale here was that yeah. he uh, he was just the only thing keeping them going offensively. And uh, that made them the best team in the league because they were the best t- defensive team in the league by a lot. But, like, of course, if they had scored less, presumably they would have lost. A yeah, and, 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 and there's nobody who so outclassed them that you would even argue why he shouldn't have it, right? So Yeah, like, the only the, – the competition is Max Bentley again. Um, but Max Bentley uh, was on the Blackhawks, who were terrible and missed the playoffs. Yeah, and there's a one-point so, difference. I mean, like, yeah. and, and what did you say, Richard had 45 goals? Like, that's pretty Yeah, 45 good. goals. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible there, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean. I, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't uh, wouldn't give it to Richard. Yeah, me too. So, uh, 1948, uh, we finally have a Ranger. Um, this is Buddy O'Connor. Uh, and no. now it's time for some... Uh, some controversy, because the Rangers were fourth in a six-team league, um, and that means barely playoff team. And SRS, uh, simple rating system, points them as actually fifth. And so only the quirks of the NHL, uh, um, quirks of the NHL point system, uh, kept them in the playoffs over the Habs, who were. Uh, Basically, a uh, worse offensive team, but a much better defensive team than uh, than the Rangers. Um, Habs were like a mid middle of the pack defensive team. The Rangers were second worst, and uh, the Rangers were a middle of the pack uh, offensive team, whereas the Habs were just terrible offensively. So, <laughs> um, so like, why the hell, Buddy O'Connor? Um, yeah, this this argument. So O'Connor was second in points by one. So he was behind. Uh, so the one argument here is Elmer Lack led the league in points and Elmer Lack was on a team that missed the playoffs. So fine, fair enough. Elmer yeah. Lack led the league in points per game. Same thing. Buddy O'Connor came in second and barely behind him, 0.02 points behind him. So at least in that sense, Buddy O'Connor feels like, you know, it's certainly a better choice than Elmer Lack, right? Because he's yeah. on a playoff team. But they're still not very good. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I think 
you know, the question is, which is more valuable? This this forward on a uh, not very good team that barely made the playoffs. The argument being, presumably, he dragged them into the playoffs or something. Yeah. Or, like, you know, the best player on the Leafs, who were the best team in the league, or the best player on the Blackhawks, who were the best offensive team in the league, or the best player... Well, the Leafs were also the best defensive team, so in addition to being the best team. So you presumably could have picked uh, a defenseman on the Leafs or a forward on either the Leafs or the Blackhawks. Um, yeah. Doug Bentley was only uh, four points behind Elmer Lack and, and three points behind Buddy O'Connor in terms of the points he scored. Um, I don't know. Uh, how do you... What what's your thinking? Um, I don't know. Like O'Connor and Lack are so close that year in terms of points that like it's kind of a wash. So maybe it was just like, you know, the Canadians have been good forever and Lack couldn't bring them to the playoffs. So obviously, you know, Buddy O'Connor got the Rangers to the playoffs. The Rangers never make it, so he must have done something special. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I guess if the if the Blackhawks are really good, uh, maybe Bentley. But again, he has got like Bentley and presumably Mosienko helping him. So maybe they just go like, ah, that's just a good line. And O'Connor did it on his own. Maybe that's just, I don't know. It's pretty overwhelming vote. Like it's not close. So It isn't, is it? And that's, it's, it's strange uh, <laughs> that it's, it's uh, so overwhelming because it's fairly rare in the history of these trophies that it is this decisive. Usually it's like a lot closer, you know, like, even yeah. years in which it's fairly definitive, it's like 30-something percent to 20-something percent in first yeah. and second. In this case, it's, for reference, it's 80 percent to 40. Yeah, yeah it's um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things, and maybe one of the reasons people couldn't figure out what to do, is the guys who were uh, fourth and fifth on, um, on the points list um, were traded midseason. Oh. So, uh, Gay Stewart is uh, fourth with 56 points. He was traded. Max Bentley, Doug Bentley's brother, was traded, I believe, to the Leafs in this season, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, um, they traded his brother away? What did he do? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I believe the Blackhawks were run horribly at this point, but I yes. could be wrong. Through, through um, most of their history. That, and then, uh, how would you pronounce P-O-I-L-E in French? Uh, Poil. Poil. So, Bud Poil uh, also traded with 54 points midseason. So it could be in part that, like, their choices were Elmer Lack, who is on a bad team missing the playoffs, Buddy Connor on the worst playoff team, Doug Bentley, who, like you said, maybe they had reasons for not voting for him, and then three guys who were, like, traded midseason, which prior to Joe Thornton, you just, the heart was never awarded to someone who was traded midseason, right? So I don't know. I, I personally, I kind of want to go with uh, Doug Bentley myself, um, yeah. but I, uh, I mean, because like for me, it's it's that or it's like Jimmy Thompson on the Maple Leafs, and I I don't know how I feel about that, um, but I just I don't know that like the Rangers were just not that good, you know, like yeah. I think maybe that's just the only reason he gets it is because, yeah, the Rangers are shitty, but that guy's yeah. pretty good. Like, look what yeah. he did. He got them into the playoffs, and we know the Rangers, like, for, for, for people who, you know, may have 
remembered the Rangers with Lundqvist and con- consistently being good and always making the playoffs. Like that is the, the history of the Rangers is like out of the original six, they were the worst team. Like yeah. very clearly. <laughs> yeah. They were not awesome. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They just said they had a couple periods in the, in the seventies when they were good briefly, but like yeah. in the early eighties, I think, but like, yeah. Um, anyway, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you feel. Um, like personally, I'm, I'm, uh, my feeling is, uh, I, I don't, I, I think I want to go with Doug Bentley, but, um, I, I think I'm okay with Buddy O'Connor, but I'm, I'm not in love with it either. So, okay. Um, I, I could be talked out of it or talked into it sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's a, it's a really tricky one because no, nobody really like outclassed him in terms of points. So yeah. you're kind of like, well, if we didn't see him play and we didn't see maybe how crappy the Rangers were without him, like it's it's really hard to tell from this, you know, vantage point in history without knowing any more or being able to really sit down and watch a whole bunch of those games. Like it's tricky. Um, yeah. And I, I just don't see a reason to take it away from him. Like there's nothing overwhelming for me. So I'm I'm sort of especially since it doesn't seem like, you know, it wasn't like the, all the writers were from New York that voted or anything like yeah, that. So yeah, it just seems like everybody was, like, on the same page. Yeah, like yeah, this guy, yeah. clearly. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, 1949, we have uh, Sid Abel of the Red Wings, who were the best team in the league. And Abel was the, uh, I believe, leading scorer on that team. Um no, tied for the leading score. Oh, controversy. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Doug Bentley um, uh, led the the league in points per game with 1.14. However, uh, he missed some games. So um, it was actually Roy Conacher, um, brother of Charlie, uh, who uh, led who won the Art Ross. Um, the Conacher family like has produced a lot of good hockey players. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and and barely finishing behind Doug in the points per game at 1.13. Um, the, those Blackhawks, they were both on the Blackhawks, were, uh, again, not good. So they once again missed the playoffs. They were uh, a middle-of-the-pack offensive team, but they were uh, the worst offensive team in the league by nearly 50 goals. Um, and Oh, sorry, sorry. My mistake. Nearly 40 goals, but still. 40 goals over 60 games. That's a fair amount. Um, So we can pretty much eliminate, you know, the usual rule, you know, non-playoff teams don't produce Hart Trophy winners. Um, We can pretty much eliminate Bentley and Conacher from the running, which brings us to the Red Wings, presumably, who produced the the guys tied for third in scoring way behind uh, Conacher and Bentley with 54 points, who were Sid Abel and Ted Lindsay. So... Why Abel over Lindsay? Uh, the only answer I can figure is Abel played ten more games, which is actually an argument against his. Yes, it is. Yeah, I would agree. In my opinion, but uh, and weirdly, uh, I don't know if Hockey Reference just doesn't have enough voting um, history because I know that the voting history is imperfect. It's mm-hmm. been collected from various places, but at least according to my notes, Ted Lindsay didn't even get enough like get votes. Which wow. is bizarre. Yeah, uh, that is weird. Because he was so. Here, here are the numbers. Uh, 
Ted Lindsay scored 26 goals. Abel scored 28. But again, Ted Lindsay did that in 10 fewer games. So that comes out to uh, 0.52 for Ted Lindsay, which led the league, and 0.47 for Sid Abel. And then uh, um, 42 assists, sorry, 28 assists, sorry, uh, for Ted Lindsay and 26 assists for Sid Abel. So once again, um, Ted Lindsay is uh, is uh, has more assists, uh, both uh, both total and per game. And then of course they tied for points per game uh, for total points, but that put Ted Lindsay um, 0.18 points per game ahead of Sid Abel. So to me. Clearly, Ted Lindsay's having the better season. Yeah. Um, I, my vote, if I was voting, would be for Lindsay. I guess maybe the argument is because Abel was more durable, he was more valuable, but I don't know that I buy that. Because injuries are not the injured, the fault of the injured player. Yeah. but, but, you know, maybe he got hurt right at the end of the season. And then they, you know, Abel kept yeah. going without him and caught up to him in point. I don't, I don't know what it was. Yeah. But like, Could very well be. I, I think we both sort of agree on the, uh, the principle of you, you'd rather reward a guy who was able to put up the same number of points in a shorter amount of games than it wasn't his fault he got hurt. And just be like, his brilliance is clearly superior to that other guy. So it took him an extra 10 games to match the numbers. Yeah. But um, for some people, durability is uh, part of, uh, you know, uh, the the overall athlete's, you know, I know. maybe not skill set, but like prowess or value as an athlete or whatever. So, um, so this, sometimes, you know. blaming injured players for being injured strikes me as blaming the poor for being poor. Like, it's just <laughs> like it, it's completely reversed causality and just aren't, like aren't we supposed to do that though <laughs> yeah yeah we are yeah damn poor people they don't work they yeah. just sit there and earn welfare checks or something and have too many kids or whatever it is yes. that they're doing. Yeah. also something about oil <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah i mean like i i don't you know I, at some point durability does factor in I, i've said on this podcast that like there is a cutoff for me in terms of missing games where I'm just not willing to consider a guy's case, that yeah. isn't 10, 10 out of 60, like no, 10 out of five, six of the season is enough for me yeah. to, to vote for him. And I think it's pretty evident that Ted Lindsay had the better year. Yeah. Um, I think the, the interesting argument would be, you know, rather than it's, if you really want to say, well, the Red Wings, you can't decide between Abel and Lindsay, then like, well, look at the Habs who are the best defensive team in the league and maybe find a, a player there or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. For me, I think it's Lindsay, not Abel. And I think it's just worth pointing out, like we did with Charlie Conacher in the thirties, that at this point in his career, Lindsay was getting royally screwed because in 1950, he had an argument for being the best player in the league yeah. and he didn't win the heart again. Yeah. So, that sucks. That's our that's our segue to 1950, in which the voters, once again, like they do once a decade or so, decided that a goalie should win it instead of a, a skater or a forward, which is usually the case. Um, 
And of course, was it the best goalie in the league? No, that would be too simple. <laughs> While you run through these stats, I'm going to go get another beer out of the fridge. So you're on your own for about a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so Chuck Rayner, the goalie of the New York Rangers, the Rangers were the, uh, the fourth best team in the league. And, um, you know, as we've said, means they were the third least good team in the league. Uh, that team um, was not the best defensive team in the league, despite what you might think by having their goalie uh, deemed the heart winner. They, in fact, were the third worst defensive team in the league. So go figure. The argument seems to be that um, Chuck Rayner dragged them in the playoffs, I guess. Um, he was not the best goalie. Goalie point shares has him as fourth best in the league. Um, goals against average uh, has him as fourth best in the league. And I know goals against average is a team stat, but this is prior to the league recording shots. Um, it's just wins. Let's see where he is in wins. He's third in wins by five, five behind. Um, he is fifth in ties. Um he uh, gave up the third most goals in the league. It's just hard to know. What about shutouts? Look, look at shutouts. He's fourth in shutouts. He was not the best at anything, as far as we know. Um, and the Rangers weren't either. You know, I, I have a list here. Rainer was second in minutes, third in wins, second in losses, fifth in ties, fourth in goals against average, fourth in shutouts, fourth in goalie point shares, and the league had six teams. <laughs> they were the fourth best defensive team in the league. They were the yeah, I mean, worst. There's every year you were going to give it to Bill Dernan. Isn't this the year where you're like, we, we got nobody? Wow, Bill Dernan's been the best goalie in the league for like a decade. How about we give it to him? Yeah, instead the writers were like, well, let's give it to his competition instead on a, like, yeah. Um, and Dernan, of course, was the goalie for the best defensive team in the league. He had two more shutouts than Rayner did. Um, he had a noticeably superior goals against average of 2.2 compared to Chuck Rayner's 2.62. Um, I mean, I... Who knows what the hell was going on here? The only thing I can think of is the voters looked at the Rangers and they said, this team is the worst offensive team in the entire league. And yet somehow, despite having nobody in terms of scoring, they are in the playoffs. So they must have done something right. And I guess yeah. that means goalie. But the thing is, the same logic was used for O'Connor, yeah. right? Only it was the reverse, I believe. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, <sighs> it, it it seems bizarre. Like, and the thing is too, like we, we have his goals against average, but do we know, you know, we don't have shots. Right. So yeah, we don't know. Yeah. So we yeah. don't know. Like maybe he was standing on his head every night and it was just, you know, he was sort of a one man team, but you would think that there'd be some stories written about that. <laughs> um, that would sort of be like, this guy has had such a season. Like, you have no idea how bad this team is, and he is the only thing that is keeping them going. <laughs> like, And you know what would convince me of that? If someone wants to send me footage of, like, 
Rangers games from the 1949-50 season in which you can point to him getting shelled every night and he's just stellar. Sure, I'll wa- I'll watch some of it. I mean, if someone has has if someone's broken down the shots for the 1949-50 season and can demonstrate that Chuck Rayner had an insane way better than Bill Dern save percentage, I'm open to this. But like until I see that evidence, this seems like a colossal error on the part of the voters. Yeah. And and really feels super unfair to Ted Lindsay, who um, led the league in points by nine um, and who uh, was 0.13 up on Sid Abel for points per game. He was the best forward on the best team, the best team by 11 points. Like, don't overthink it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Best, slam dunk. The, Art Ro- the Art Ross trophy winner is on the best team in the league. Yeah. There's nothing to do. Those years, you know, like why, (laughs) like what, what is the, and here's the crazy part, at least according to hockey references, current records, uh, Ted Lindsay didn't get a single first place vote for the heart. Wow. Wow. This is insane. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what people were thinking. Um, and meanwhile, Ted Kennedy, I don't know how many points Ted Kennedy had off the top of, his, of my head, but like Ted Kennedy got four uh, first place votes. And he, he isn't in the, even in the top five in scoring. Um, oh, yeah, got four first place votes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was 17th in scoring. He got four first place votes. I mean, he must, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like Ted Kennedy is considered a good uh, two-way player because yeah. that's the only thing that explains that. Anyway, um, my vote would have gone to Ted Lindsay. I don't mean you. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you just look at the at, at the stats and nothing's jumping out off the page. But again, it's like one of those things too where you're like, if we could have the same eye test that they had, maybe we would agree. Like occasionally there'll be a player where you're like, that guy is so like much better than like his stats make him look like he's just a pylon and that we know that guy is good, you know, like yeah. every once in a while there's a player like that where just the stats do not do their overall game justice or the impact they have on the game. Um, or a really good example of that. Yeah. I mean, obviously we have advanced stats now, but a really good example, that'd be Ryan O'Reilly, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, he plays top line center minutes. And I believe there's a stat last year in a playoffs where it's like, he's taken nine penalties in the last like 180 games he's played. Like, how is that possible with who he plays against on a yeah. nightly basis? That's like, okay, that. And, and if you, if you just look at his point totals and like the teams he played on, you'd be like, okay, he's like a second line center. You're like, no, he is extremely valuable. Like he is so good at what he does, but you just, until you see that one like sort of obscure stat that you wouldn't even think of looking for. It's like, you don't realize how valuable he is in terms of like, he doesn't put his team at a disadvantage ever. And he's like, he plays, you know, fantastic defensive hockey without ever hurting his team. It's like, that's a valuable skill, you know? And it's like, and, and when you see the eye test and you saw how good he was last year in the playoffs, you're like, that guy is something else. It just doesn't show up on the point sheet. Same thing with a guy like Taves or like he, everybody else, you know, let's say 50, 60, 100 years from now, people will see that and be like, oh, Patrick Kane was the guy who led that team. They're like, no, 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 no. You didn't watch that hockey. You don't know that the guy who did the dirty work in the playoffs that let them win was Taves, right? Like, and I think most hockey fans, even American ones who love Patrick Kane or people who really like the sort of flashy stuff he does, would be like, 
Yeah, Kane's important, but without Taves, there's no way they're winning. Like he's the he's the guy, right? He's the glue guy. So, right, may, maybe that's what we're missing, right? Because we didn't get to watch those games. Um, maybe there's something that we're like missing, but I I don't really think so. Like, to I me, mean, it's like to, to to give it to the goalie when they hadn't given it to Bill Dernan already, to me, is like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, he better have been so good that, like, it, it was, re- nobody could even argue. It and, really feels like a slap in the face to Bill Dernan a little bit. In addition to being a slap in the face to Ted Lindsay. And to Ted Lindsay, but maybe yeah, yeah, people didn't that. like him. Maybe he, was a, maybe he was a bit of a jerk and people well, didn't like him. I don't know. <laughs> as a segue to 1951, it feels like there is a distinct anti-Red Wings bias going on in the turn of the decade from the 40s to the 50s. Or because, at least anti-Ted Lindsay. Well, well, in 1951, though, it wasn't Ted Lindsay who got robbed. It was Gordie Howe. Uh, because, uh-huh. of course, Gordie Howe was not yet Gordie Howe in anyone's mind. He was young. But Milt Schmidt um, won the award in 1951. He was on the Bruins. The Bruins were fourth. Because why not? Let's keep giving it to the you know the play maybe the they best got into player one of those on cycles the where, worst playoff team let's just this is what we should be doing now but maybe they got into one of those cycles where this guy dragged his team to the playoffs therefore he yeah. wins which I think that, even I in think the modern day NHL we've seen that a bunch like with oh absolutely Taylor Hall absolutely. and some other guys like yeah. you squeak your team in single handedly here's the award like so uh, to that end let's talk about uh, how much better Gordie Howe was than Milt Schmidt in 1951. <laughs> Gordie Howe had 86 points. Milt Schmidt was tied for fourth with 61. Oh that boy. is 25 points over the course of, I believe, 60 games. Am I mistaken about that? I think it's 60 games. 70, sorry, my mistake. 70 games. Still a lot of points. Yes. Gordie Howe had 1.23 points per game. Milt Schmidt had 0.98. Okay, yeah, that's pretty significant. <laughs> yes. I don't know what is going on here. Um, it's funny because Gordie Howe has, as we will see in a, in a few minutes, Gordie Howe has at least one heart trophy that you can call into question, but you can just replace it with this one that he should have yeah. won. Because, yeah. like, the Red Wings were the best team in the league, again. And, and like, I don't know how else to put this to these writers who are, you know, who are all dead now, but, like, just don't overthink this. You know, the best forward in the league is on the best team. Unless there's like a defenseman um, somewhere making an excellent case. And there may have been, it could have even been Red Kelly, uh, who was also on the Red Wings. I don't know. I didn't, I was not alive. I didn't watch the games. Um, Unless there's like another, like somebody, like you said, Bill, about like standing on their head or whatever with maybe that's why Joe Craner won. Unless somebody was doing something crazy, it's insane to me that a guy who was 20 points up in the Art Ross race yeah. and was on the best team in the league, not only did he not win the award, but he came in fourth in voting and he had zero first place votes. Yeah. It's crazy. And I don't know what Gordie Howe did or the city of Detroit did in this era, <laughs> but like something is up yeah something like two years in a row the red wings had the clear best forward in the league at the very least if not best player the best forward at the very least and the voters are like yeah you know what we prefer this other person who doesn't have a case and not only that we're not even going to vote for your guy no one's going to give him a first place vote neither ted Lindsay in in uh 50 nor 
Gordie Howe and 51 got a first place vote. Which is just like, it's like they were on drugs or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they were. Maybe they were. <laughs> Or like you like you said, they were on the drug of like this guy dragged his team. It's really yeah. compelling narrative. You know, Milt Schmidt was the best player on the Bruins, as far as I know. Yeah. The Bruins were not good. Yeah. Uh, just just to rub it in, they were the third best offensive team. So, but they were uh, 50-ish goals behind the Red Wings in that category, and they were the uh, fourth best defensive team, and they were. 60-something, 59 goals behind the Maple Leafs and uh, 58 goals behind the Red Wings in that category. So, you know, anyway. Um, he was, of course, compensated for that many times over, Gordie Howe. So he's yes. probably not, when he was still alive, he probably wasn't losing sleep over it. No, probably not, no. In 1952, uh, he did win it. Um and uh, it's worth noting that uh, he he broke. So in in um, in fifty one. Uh, oh, I missed a mistake there. He actually, I think he set the record for points in fifty one as well, which is another reason he should have won it. And then in fifty in fifty two, he tied his record for points. He also had eighty six, um, and again uh, had. Uh, very consistent, also had 1.23 points per game, and was, uh, in this case, uh, 0.24 points per game ahead of his line mate or teammate, whichever he was, Ted Lindsay. Um, so the Red Wings were the best team in the league. Gordie Howe was the best forward on the best team in the league. This time, they did not get confused, and they just voted for him. And it was it was definitive, fairly definitive. Nine first place votes. So, you know, this one's simple. 50, 51 should have been simple, but fifty two is very open and shut. Do you have any pushback? No, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. All right. I mean, you know, best player, best team, easy. Yeah. Fifty three, shocking to learn that Gordie Howe wins it again. <laughs> this time, he he broke his record, and he had 95 points. Uh, and this is in 70 games, by the way. Um, and he also increased his points per game, as, as you can figure out with some quick math, and he had 1.36. He was 0.35 points per game up on Ted Lindsay. So even bigger disparity between the two of them in terms of scoring. Uh, the Red Wings were a very good team this year. Um they were the best offensively, defensively, uh, you know. Um, his case was even better than the previous season. So uh, this seems pretty open and shut. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm okay with that. All right. And now we come to the how fatigue year. Because apparently two, two, how tr two what should have been three hearts in a row, but two hearts in a row is too much. Um, as Bill can tell you, this is my favorite heart trophy of all time. <laughs> it is Al Rollins, the goalie for the Chicago Blackhawks, who were the last place team in the league. They were 37 team points behind second last. <laughs> that puts them 57, 57 points behind the Red Wings. 
They scored 133 goals, which is 19 less than the Maple Leafs. First, uh, they were the the Blackhawks were the worst uh, offensive team. Defensively, they gave up 242 goals, which is 40 goals more than the Rangers, who were the second worst team. And yet, Al Rollins is your Hart Trophy winner. Good lord! <laughs> Here we go. He was in a six-team league. Rollins was fifth in minutes, sixth in wins. First in losses, fifth in ties, first in total goals against, sixth in in uh, goals against average, fifth in shutouts, a three-way tie for fifth, though, so that's including tied with some backups. <laughs> Seventh in goalie point shares. I just want to emphasize this. He is he's considered in a six-team league goalie point shares. Hockey hockey uh, references metric of goalie value has him as the seventh best goalie in a six-team league, which means there is a backup on another team, I presume the Red Wings, but I can look it up for you, <laughs> who was more important. <laughs> oh, no, actually, it was the backup. It was actually the backup on um, on the Habs. It was uh, Jacques Plant. There you who, go. It was the number six. So there is only one explanation for this that I can think of, and I don't know how you feel about this, Bill, but the only explanation... I can think of is that Al Rollins was shelled to a degree that no one had ever seen before in the history of the NHL. And they felt really bad for him. Yep. Like he, like this guy has seen so much rubber that look, we have to give it to him almost the theory for, being for hanging in there. <laughs> yeah. The theory being that they would have given up 300 goals or something. Had he not yeah. been in that, it had been a normal goalie. Yeah. But like this poor man put his face in the way of, mortal danger time and time again on a team that just got peppered with shots and he hung in there and wow what a trooper you know like people are just people are probably just impressed he didn't quit <laughs> like, like how else would you explain it right it makes no sense it is the like if that is the argument I mean, I guess it's nice that you feel bad for him but it is still a terrible <laughs> terrible way for voting for MVP right like it's like yeah, you throw him some second place votes and call it a day, right? Like, yeah, um, like this is this is the worst heart heart trophy in the existence of the award. I I don't know enough about um, uh, about football in particular, but also I would say baseball to know if there are comparisons in those sports in terms of MVPs. But like, I can tell you for a fact, not for a fact, I'm pretty sure. There is not an instance in NBA history of someone this undeserving getting an MVP. Not not a vote. There's plenty of instances of that in, in all sports, but in winning the award. Like nobody was on the last place team and was like the guy, you know, like I can't think of an instance in say NBA history where like the leading scorer on the worst offensive team in the NBA that also was the worst team overall won the MVP award like that has never happened. And that's what this is, right? Like this is the, the, the guy responsible for defense more than anything else on the worst defensive team in the league by a lot, by 40 goals over 70 games, uh, winning the MVP. And he got 50 first place votes, which gave him 30% of the uh, 31% of the vote share. Um, so it wasn't like it was like a la complete landslide, yeah, because Red right. Kelly had twenty eight percent, but like, I mean, Gordy Howe, who again, 
best player on the best team, though he didn't have as many points as normal, uh, finished fourth in voting because who knows? I don't know. I mean, I just this is this this is the reason the reason I I wanted to do this podcast. The reason I want to do this series on the Hart Trophy is because of Al Rollins. Like this is why we're here today. <laughs> It pissed you off that much, eh? That you're like, I have been thinking about this award ever since I first read about it like 15 years ago or something. <laughs> it, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, I don't... I And I've heard people try to justify it, and I've never heard a compelling argument beyond he must have faced a ton of shots, which yeah. is like, okay, if you can produce evidence that he had like a 950 save percentage... Yeah. I might. I'm still, I'm like, well, then you should have just changed the meaning of the Vesna before it was, you know, it was changed. It took another 20 something years before it was changed and given him that or, or created a most valuable goalie award or something. But like, this is supposed to be for players on like good players on winning teams generally is the, the way it's been given out. This is the only time, I think, or sorry, one of only two two times, I think, where it went to a player who was not on a, a playoff team. Yeah. The other one, I think, was Andy Bathgate, but we'll we'll talk about it when we get to him. Um, I don't know. I just, it's not, it's not just like, it's not like they were just, I don't know. I, I have a problem with dra- drag to the playoffs reasoning by itself, but this isn't even drag to the playoffs. This is drag to 242 goals against in seven games, which is, you know, not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really not good. Like, how bad could that team, like, 37 points behind second to last place? Yeah. Like, that's, that's bad. <laughs> that's, I mean... That's, that's like the Detroit Red Wings of this year bad. Like, yeah. just, my yeah. God, how are you guys this bad? Like, how is that even possible? So I think the argument also, the other part of the argument, is presumably that they just had nobody who could score because Larry Wilson led the team with 42 points in 66 games and then Bill Gadsby, uh, the defenseman, with 41 and 70 points. But I'm sure you could go through the history of the NHL and find plenty of bad teams who didn't manage oh, to score yeah. a lot whose goalies did not get nominated for the Hart Trophy. You know, one of my biggest issues with with weird votes for awards is that they, in theory, they establish precedents. Now, this fortunately has never been done ever again. But, like, in theory, granting an award to the the worst goalie in the league, <laughs> you know, yeah, opens up or the worst, sorry, the worst starter in the league, I should say, um, opens up the floodgates to being like, well, you know, <laughs> if he won the heart. Now, fortunately, no one has ever done this. It's almost as if people don't want to remember that this exists. All right, I'm done. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really. I will be like, I'll be in a bar sometime in a few yeah. weeks complaining to someone about Al Rollins. Next time we have a beer together, I'm sure it's gonna be one of like the fourth thing you bring up. Yeah. God damn, Al Rollins. <laughs> and here's the thing, Bill. Here's the thing that's like, that's that's kind of like he just had a really bad year, and he was in a terrible position. It's not his fault, and I shouldn't be saying God damn Al Rollins. I should be saying God damn hockey writers. 
But like he didn't have the worst ever career. He actually won the uh, he won the Vesna, the old Ves, you know, the old Vesna, which is now the Jennings. He won it in fifty one. And it's not like he was the worst goalie. He just had he had ter- you know he had nobody in front of him. He had a really bad team, and he got shelled. And and okay, that's terrible. But that doesn't make him the MVP. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I think it should have gone to Gordie Howe. Um, I think you could make a, a case for Red Kelly, but like I'd want to watch some film first. Um, and this is also this is the inaugural uh, Norris year, I think. So they already Red Kelly got a award anyway, right? So he got his Norris. Yeah. So then you can give. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, to me, it's Gordie Howe. And yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it's uh, it's definitely not Al Rollins. Um, so what we're what we are saying, and and I should point out that there's a part of me that is I'm gonna get killed for this, but like, is at least a tiny bit of a Gordie Howe as the best player in history skeptic. Mm-hmm. And that skeptic comes the skepticism comes specifically from the Red Wings playoff performance while they were this good, which is if you don't know not amazing um but what we are saying here is that there are at least two heart trophies that he should have won that he did which is like you know just add that to the total um that puts it at a very ridiculous number uh what was he we won eight right yeah so it puts him at 10 um though though there's one at least i intend on subtracting later but like um still the fact is, he could have, he should have easily won two other hard trophies, I think, um, which says a lot about his ridiculous, incredible career. All right, shall we move on to uh, fifty-five? Let's do. Where uh, Ted Kennedy, uh, who we were just talking about, <laughs> Bill's uh, Kennedy impersonation. Um, Kennedy. It's, it's well, just Mayor Quimby. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It was. It was really Mayor. You know what? It was like it was. Uh, it was like a cover of a cover, right? It was yeah. an impression of an impression. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so Ted Kennedy was on the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs were third, uh, both by points and also, I believe, by SRS. But they were, it's worth noting, by both points and SRS, way behind second place. So Red Wings were first. Montreal Canadiens were barely second. And in fact, SRS puts them as first. And then... The, the Leafs were way back. Um, so uh, the Leafs were not the best team overall. They were also not the best offensive team. They're actually the worst offensive team, which, you know, begs the question, why did a forward on them win the heart? And they were uh, the second best defensive team, but basically tied with the Red Wings for being the best defensive team. So, one would think that either Ted Kennedy is an excellent defensive forward or uh, or they should have uh, voted for a, a defenseman on either um, the Red Wings or the Maple Leafs. Um, Gordie Howe did not actually lead the league in points or points per game this year for the first time in a few seasons. Instead, it was... Uh, is it Boom Boom Jeffrey on? Or how do you pronounce it? Yeah, it's Boom Boom Jeffrey. Yeah. Jeffrey. Um, 
Uh, in French, you could say Jeffrion, but like Jeffrion. it's pretty much the same thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So he had 75 points. Uh, Rocket had 74. Rocket, the Rocket was 0. 0.3, 0. 0.03 rather, points ahead of uh, Jeffrion. Um, so presumably they uh, they at least partially um, confused people. I would have said they split the vote, but actually Richard and Bellavo split the Habs vote. I don't think Bellavo had worst year, but no, he had a good year too. It was actually, they were actually, it was tough because they were 75, 74, and 73 points. So presumably the voters were all like, we don't know which one to pick. Um, Gordy Howe was not actually a good choice this year for the first time in forever because he only had 62 points. I believe he was injured. I mean, he only missed six games. He actually had his worst year of his career after his uh, rookie, or sorry, after his first two years. Uh, um, worst worst year of his 20s, it looks like, this season. Um, so I think the what happened here is the Red Wings were still good, but how how had a terrible year. Terrible. Had a not good year for him. So they had trouble deciding who. And then, um, you know, the, the best player in terms of total points uh, on the Red Wings was like Dutch Rebel, who was like, who the hell is that? And uh, and the Habs, there were too many good Habs, so they were like, well, what do we do? Let's find somebody else. And they went and they found uh, the argument, I guess, being that Ted Kennedy dragged the Leafs in the third place or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe they just felt like, you know, maybe he should have had that one you know, or he'd been in consideration for so many years and it was like a lifetime achievement award of like, we're never going to get another chance to give this guy this award. Like, or the fact that he finally, you know, uh, you know, the Toronto writers sort of got together and like, if we all vote for him, this might be the year we might be able to get it for him kind of thing, you know, like, because I, I, I assume back in those days, I have like almost nothing to back this up, by the way, but like that Montreal and Toronto writers and American writers would sort of band together in some years and be like, this is our guy. We're all going to vote the same. Like you have to assume some of that was going on. right? Especially in a circumstance like this, in which he is not, at least offensively, he is really not a good candidate. You know, he is, um, you know, uh, his, his points per game are um, uh, point zero, uh, sorry, 0. 0.74. Uh, Maurice Richard led the league with 0.1, or sorry, 1.1. You know, that's a really big difference. So what the argument has to be is that Kennedy was so good defensively that, like, he was more important, arguably, than the defenseman on his team, I guess, is the argument, Mm -hmm. that, like, that he made up for the fact that he wasn't, he wasn't even the highest scoring player in the Maple Leafs that year. I just I don't I don't think this. Listen, I'm 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 supposed to be a Leafs homer. Um, yeah, they are my hockey team, but like I can't I can't do it here. Like I don't see the case at all. And again, as I say, I feel like every single time uh, when it's controversial, if somebody thinks there's a case and it's about him being like just the stellar stellar like, you know, Datsukian, or or I guess I should really say uh, Nyborian. Frank Nywer, the the guy who won the first heart, who I uh, got pilloried for for claiming didn't deserve it. Um, if uh, you know, if someone's got an argument and evidence to say that he is one of the best defensive forwards of his era or the best, maybe you can listen to that. But otherwise, it's like, why him? 
you know, pick a pick a Hab or pick a Red Wing. They seem yeah. to be. They were both better offensively. They were all better offensively than Ted Kennedy, and they were on the best teams. And uh, you know, and, and you want to go for a defenseman, go for Doug Harvey or uh, Ray Kelly, or uh, or Marcel Pronovost. You know. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it it's really tricky to say, but I I I don't see a great reason to give it to him. I I have to assume there were circumstances that you had to sort of be there to understand, or you know, like I said, the voters must have just sort of been like, this is the year we're gonna finally get him that yeah. trophy, sort of thing. Like he had a good year, and there's nobody else who's gonna obviously take it away from him. Let's push him through, sort of thing, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't personally know myself, but I yeah. think I probably have guns at my head. I probably, I probably vote for Richard. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Which All is right. a shame because he he should have won one, right? Like you would think. Yeah. Um, well, he did. He, oh, uh, Ted Kennedy or uh, Maurice Richard? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he won. Um, when did he win? Did he win? I don't, he won? I don't think he did. I didn't see his. He name won in forty-seven. He won forty-seven. Oh, you're right. You're right. I already. Uh, yeah. I already forgot. I was. I was looking through the the future years while we were talking, seeing how many Gordy won and how close Maurice was in those years. Um, yeah, but I mean, I I, I think he could have won a couple. You know, given how yeah. important he was to hockey and what a great goal scorer he was. I'm like, eh, that one might have been a year you could have given him a second one. You know. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I think he he's got his. He certainly has a as good a case as Ted Kennedy does. Yeah. I mean, put it mildly. All right, so 57, uh, we have uh, Jean Beliveau. Um, he was uh, on the Canadians, of course, who were the best team in the league. It, or sorry, did I say 57? I meant 56. My apologies. Um, I got ahead of myself there. Um, and uh, he uh, he led the league in points with 88. He led the league in points per game with 1.26. Um, he was nine points ahead of Gory Howe and, uh, points per game wise, he was 0.13 points per game ahead of him. So, you know, comfortable leads. Like I said, the Habs were the best team in the league. Um, pretty damn definitively 24 points ahead of the Red Wings. This feels like just a, like easy, no brainer, you know, Bellavo wins the heart. There's no controversy whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And do you have different feelings about that, or you agree? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's pretty much a slam dunk as it gets, right? Yeah. So fifty-seven, uh, Gordy Howe is back. He has he has won it again, finally. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's been so long. And um, he uh, he led the league in points and points per game, as usual. Um. He was on the Red Wings, who were the best team in the league, but it's worth pointing out, at least to create a whiff of controversy, that at least by simple rating system, they were not the best team in the league. That was the Habs. Um, and that, and the best player, or uh, best forward, I guess, on that team would have been Bellabo again. But I don't know about you, this seems pretty open and shut. Um, Red Wings had the best record. Uh, How's up four points on, Ted, on his teammate, Ted Lindsay. He's up point uh zero five points per game on Bellavo. So I mean you could you could definitely make a case that Bellavo deserved it. Um 
But, like, given that nobody knew about, like, you know, trying to, like, all people talked about at the time was the record of the team, and they yeah. couldn't look at the underlying numbers and see that the yeah. teams are, are, were actually a, a, a better team in terms of goal differential and stuff, it's hard to, um, I mean, it's hard to quibble with this. Uh, this seems fine to me. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, first in points, um, like, you know, 89 points. I mean, it's like, are you supposed to argue against that, right? Like, he wins the yeah. Ross every year. I mean, like, you got to give him some MVPs at a certain point, right? Unless you're... Um, oh, this was his third. You know, I, I mean, I'm, yeah, Bailey was a fine player uh, and, uh, you know, probably, you know... Uh, in terms of the amount of championships he won, he, his name's on the cup more than anybody else. But, you know, Howe's putting up, you know, some pretty significant points. Yeah. Um, and consistently over and over and over again. Although, you know, maybe that's the year that it, uh, it maybe it should have been Richard. Maybe it should have been Dickie Moore. Like, there's there's an argument to be made there, you know? Um, well, I'll tell you where there is an argument to be made. And that is in 1958, when Gordie Howe won his fourth. And it really, it's not definitive at all. Mm. And so when I said earlier, when we were saying about giving him two extra heart trophies, this is, I believe this is the one that you can think about taking away. But there could be another one. Yeah, yeah. And this is, uh, the the reason being is that um, Gordie Howe tied in terms of points per game with Andy Bathgate and Dickie Moore. Uh, they all have 1.2. However, how uh, missed some games. And so Moore ended up with uh, uh, seven more points than Gordy Howe, and Bathgate ended up with one more point than Gordy Howe. Um, so in this particular case, though we were saying earlier, you can't blame people, players for being injured, they were all playing at the same rate. It's just that Howe got hurt. So I think you could make a case that, like, they had better years than he did. Yeah. But the real reason to think about maybe somebody else is that the Red Wings just weren't as good as they were. They mm-hmm. were uh, they were the third best team in the league. And, and way back, way back of the Canadians, 26 points back of the Habs in, in 70 games. And in addition to that, if you go by SRS... They were they were not they were worse than the Bruins, um, so they were actually the fourth best team, and obviously no one knew that at the time. But they were basically they were a 500 team by uh, record, but like they gave up way more goals uh, than they scored. Uh, scored 176, gave up 207, and then because of the wonderful quirks of uh, of the NHL, they somehow ended up with. Uh, one more point than the Bruins did, despite the fact that the Bruins were plus five in goal differential and the Red Wings were minus 31. Yeah. So that would be an argument for Dickie Moore, I think. Being yeah, I think so. He yeah. was healthy and he was on the the bet, way better team, you know. Yeah. Or you could again, you could, you know, I know we tend to overlook defensemen, but you could probably make a, an argument um, uh, for. Uh, for Doug Harvey. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, well. where, that's where it hurt them too. They did the have split the vote in terms of how many first place votes there. 
they easily could have had the heart if they'd only voted for one Canadian together, and they clearly did not, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They voted for Harvey and Henri Richard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they split those votes. So it's like, I think it's, uh, what did Howe have? 47 first place votes, and there's 57 first place votes split amongst the, uh, I'm a, uh, Good catch. This is me. Ha- Having having grown up in Quebec, I assume all the French writers only voted for Habs, and the yeah. Toronto writers only voted for English people. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that was not always the case, but but they definitely though those the two Habs split that that vote there and hurt themselves. I would guess. No, um, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, and uh, yeah, good catch. I didn't I didn't remember that. And um, yeah, uh, I think that's exactly what happened. And so how got it, even though, you know, this was not his best year. It was fine. It was a good year. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. It was a good year. He, he had 1.2 points per game. But Yeah, he did fine. So, but so did Dickie Moore and so did Andy Bathgate. And Dickie Moore's team was much, much, much better. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's easy to say that this is one he didn't actually. Which is yeah, fine. Imagine. He if, if if we're going back and correcting history, he, he, yeah. he already got two others. So they more than yeah. make up for the fact that he... Didn't get this. Shouldn't get, get this one. Speaking of Andy Bathgate, segue. By the uh, way, you 19- might not know this because you don't live in Montreal, but uh, the little like trailers that you rent for like construction sites and businesses and the place where you change your skates before you go skate on the outdoor rink—they're all yeah. Dickie Moore. Dickie Moore trailers. It's like his business that he started after after hockey. Someone, every, it was probably in Montreal. Everywhere. It's probably you, but someone told me that at some point. Yeah. Um, or I read about it somewhere or something. I and I I'd forgotten, but I did know that he got into, in like he's been very successful. Um, good for him. Yeah. So well, speaking, he's, he's he's he clearly has passed on now. He's quite an old man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> his presumably, presumably he is actually yes. dead. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's just double check. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's already... only been it's only been uh, four years actually. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah he died in uh, 2015. Jeez, yeah, and uh, he didn't quite get the fanfare that uh, that uh, Jean Beliveau got, but I mean, Jean Beliveau was Jean Beliveau, right? So, and he had a, Beliveau had a much longer, consistent peak. Oh, he did, and he he remained sort of the like elder statesman of the Habs as like an ambassador, and uh, like I said, his cup is uh, his name is on the cup more than anybody else's. Um, yeah, uh, I, I actually the, randomly Vancouver happened to be playing in Montreal, and it was the first game back after he had passed. Yeah. So like we had already got tickets because we we're Vancouver fans and we're like, oh wow, and like all of a sudden the tickets were going for crazy amounts of money because it was the game where they were going to honor him. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not selling that ticket. I'm never going to get to see something that cool ever again. It was really yeah. amazing. It was really neat. So and, and and my brother and I looked at each other. We're like, you know, we're totally losing tonight, right? There's no way they're losing tonight. Sure enough, like, yep, yeah, okay, yeah, we're gonna lose. Here you go. <laughs> So we can use Moore or Beliveau or Bathgate as our segue to 1959 because they play an important, they all play a role in um, what is for the original six era, perhaps second only to Andy, uh, to Al Rollins uh, heart <laughs> trophy nonsense in terms of nonsense heart trophies. And that is Andy Bathgate's 1959 heart trophy. And here's the thing. He had a case in 58, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he didn't have, the best case, I, I got to double check to make sure the Rangers actually made the playoffs when I say that. They did make the playoffs in 58. So he had a case in 58. There you go. So it does feel as though maybe there was some makeup going on. Because, yeah, like, of course, maybe we should have given it to him. The Rangers were fifth in 59. And again, 
I know I say this all the time, but I just want to emphasize that it was a six-team league, that they are fifth place. In, so that's second last. They were um, third in offense, that team. So I guess the theory being that without Andy Bathgate, they would have been worse than that. Um, they were second last in defense. They were not a good team. John Beliveau led the league in points per game with 1.42, which is one hell of a lot. And I believe, no, it's maybe not the record, but it's, that's quite high. 1.42 for back then is, no, it's not the record. That's Joe Malone. What am I talking about? Um, but still, Dickie Moore actually broke the record and with 96 points. This is the most points that anyone had ever scored in an NHL season. So, of course, between those two, why give it to either of them when you can give yeah. it to someone on a team that didn't make the playoffs? So this <laughs> this is this is thing too that just like screws you completely like yeah so yeah. uh and you're absolutely right they they of course they did they did uh, split votes but they were kind of insane with the votes anyway because Moore got one first place vote and Bellavo got zero first place votes so and Bathgate got 67 so this is this is this is the case for Bathgate are you ready? He was third in goals, and I believe he was five behind uh, the lead. He was second in assists, seven off the lead. He was fourth in assists per game. He was third in points, that's eight off the lead. He was third in points per game. He was third in goals created, which is a metric uh, Hockey Reference uses to create like assess value, and like uh, it combines, you know, it, it sort of decreases the value of assists and ups the value of goals. He's third in goals created per game. He's third in offensive point shares. He's sixth in point shares. So by that standard, he is the third best forward in the league. Yeah. So, so of course he's like, the so he's the MVP, obviously. Well, yeah. Well, like like I said though, that split vote like it's got it's got. Yeah, but right? sixty-seven first place votes for him though. Yeah. Well, that, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I know you don't know. Yeah. I still want to know. Like, I don't. I know. I know. It it's it's like people looked at Dickie Moore, like breaking the points record, and must have been like, well. Maybe Jean Beliveau actually was doing that for it, like help was really driving that line or something. And then people looked at Beliveau and were like, "Yeah, but Beliveau didn't come in first in points, so we can't vote for him either." So, so let's so point. What we're starting to say is Dickie Moore probably should have won two. <laughs> it looks as though he might have should have won two hearts. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what we're actually saying. You're correct. And because you know the Habs, being the Habs in the original six era, they were the best team in the league. And they were, as usual, the best team by a lot. They were 18 yeah. points ahead of the Bruins. Uh, goals for, they were um, 53 ahead of the Bruins. And goals against, yeah. they were they were 43, point, uh, 43 goals against better than the Maple Leafs. Man. So you could also, again, as we said with the previous year, you could also make an argument for a defenseman, uh, whether it's Doug Harvey or Jean-Guy Talbot or Tom Johnson, whoever, um, but like all of these choices strike me as better than Andy Bathgate he was on a team <laughs> who didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. I also, Jacques, Jacques Plant, I know I'm all again, all about not voting for goalies, 
But here, this is Jacques Plante's line in uh, in '59: 38 wins, which leads the league. 13 ties also leads the league. 9.25 save percentage, which is not great for like you know now, but led the league. Uh, 2.16 goals against average. 39 goals saved above average, which is a hockey uh, hockey reference metric to calculate value. Best in the league again. Nine shutouts. All of those things lead the league. He was the best goalie by any standard. He certainly helped contribute to uh, the Red Red Wings, the Canadians winning. I don't want goalies to win hearts, but I would take that over Andy Bathgate in this season. Yeah. To to me, it's got to be... I mean... if you're doing it on a reputation of we know this guy's a great player, you give it to Bellivo, but I feel like it's Dickie Moores, and I feel like the early earlier one should have been Dickie Moores, and I feel like if he won the first one, maybe he would have had the street cred to get the second one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, and and one of the things that this really this exercise emphasizes for me is how like unlucky some guys were, you know, like Dickie Moore. We would think so differently about Dickie Moore if he had two heart trophies, like so differently, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's what well, the, the uh, you know, I I believe Dickie Moore's a hockey Hall of Famer. I know his jersey's retired. No, he is. He is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's a hockey Hall of Famer. As he should be, right? Like, I yeah. mean, guy's a hell of a player. So, but you know, maybe it adds to his legend a little bit more. You're right. Um, it, it, uh, winning winning a Hart Trophy is a big deal. Um, it's it, it's it, it's a really tricky one, but I feel I I feel like Dickie Moore should have too. Yeah, you can, even over Bellivo, who obviously like the more things you add to his legend, the cooler it is, just because he was so so awesome at everything, um, and poss- possibly the nicest person who's ever lived. Um, there's some there's some great stories about John Bellivo, like living in Montreal, and I'm, I'm not a Habs fan, right? So. I'm not, you know, I'm not sort of, sort of part of the uh, the cult of Lee Canadien, but like some of the cool stories about him after he retired and like even up to the like the year before he passed, you know, there was a Habs fan whose wife had died and the guy lived in like the middle of the state somewhere, maybe in like Ohio and he was super down and some people were like, maybe we could get John Billyville to write him a letter and just sort of like cheer him up a little bit. And he did. And you're just oh, wow. like, like you found the guy's address and wrote him a letter from John Billyville, handwritten from his desk. And they're like. Some people are saying, like, yeah, he he grew up in that era where letter writing was so important. If you wrote to him, he always wrote back himself, like not typed, like he would handwrite you a letter. It was like, wow, that is unbelievable. Like, what a guy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And and, and, I mean, I'm good with either of those guys in this case. Like, I think either of them deserve it um, more than Andy Mathgate. And maybe there was another year, like, you know, 58 Andy Bathgate definitely had a case and I yeah. can't remember there might be another year coming up in which he did but like he did not in 59. I see and, that that's the thing I feel like it's the pity award with like shit we should have given it to him last year what the hell did we do ah give yeah. it to him now. yeah, yeah. I really so that's it. earlier I mentioned that I thought um I thought it was uh I was thinking of 58 when I said that was the award that should be taken away from Gordie Howe but actually 60 in which he won is a very good case um, for arguing he doesn't deserve it. And the reason being is that the Red Wings, first of all, the Red Wings were fourth, which is, you know, again, six-team league, not good. Um, and I believe SRS, oh, no, SRS also has them as fourth. Um, but moreover, he didn't have a good year. So Beliveau, again, led the league in points per game, 
this time with uh, 1.23. And uh, Bobby Hull, who is now on the scene, led the league in points with 81. Uh, the Habs, once again, best team in the league. Uh, this time they're slightly less dominant, um, a lot less dominant, only 13 points ahead of the Maple Leafs. But still, you know, this is still yeah. a very, very good team. It's still worth thinking if you are of the opinion that the best, and I'm not necessarily, but if you are of the opinion that the best, the MVP should come from the best team in the league, you know, you might be looking at Belvo, who, yep. like I said, led the league in points per game as well. And so by that standard, he's the best forward. How his case isn't great. He wasn't in the top five in goals. He was eighth in goals per game. He was third in assists. He was sixth in assists per game. He's fifth in points. He's sixth in points per game. He's fifth in goals created. He's sixth in goals created per game. He's sixth in offensive point shares, and he's not in the top ten in point shares. So that's not great. Um, Lots of guys had good years this year that were better than Howe. And, you know, Hull did get a bunch of love. He got 31 first-place votes to Howe's 59. Yeah. And it seems as though at least some of those were taken away. Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Um, at, le- at least a little bit of the voting was taken away by Glenn Hall. Yeah. It, probably. But still. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, but, it's like, 59 first place to 31 first place. Yeah. I think it should be the opposite. I think I think it should have been Bobby Hulls. Um, and, yeah. and only because you could say, well, Belly Bell and Jeffrey are like, you know, sort of neck and neck. They're, yes, they're on the best team, but... The, the whole team is good, so let's give it to a guy who's sort of a little more on his own. Bobby yeah. Hull, like, to me, he jumps out. He's, he's got the Art Ross. He's got, uh, you know, the most goals tied with, with uh, Horvath from the Bruins. Like, it, he, if, if he's got the most goals and he has the most points, how the hell does he not win the MVP, right? Yeah. 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 To, to me, that's it's got to be him, and it's like... And that was sort of him, like, at... I guess I guess you would say the peak of his powers too. Well, maybe not actually, because he went on and played in the. Uh, how old would he have been then? He must have been fairly young because he, he went was, on and started in the uh, WHO. No, no, he was young. He was like twenty, yeah, yeah, early twenties. Yeah. So, so that was like he was he was twenty one. He was twenty one. Jesus, yeah. So like to put up to to win the Art Ross when you're twenty one. Well, maybe that's why he didn't get the votes because he didn't have the rep yet. But like, yeah. I think he should have. I really think he should have. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm good with like Hull. I'm good with Bellavo. I'm good with Jeffrey on. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, not Jeffrey on. Yeah. How doesn't make any sense to me. So we've got him down to what, like six, six MVP awards now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah actually. So yeah. Them, well, I was, I was wrong when I said earlier at eight, I think he has six total. Uh, but yeah, well, he's I on pace. Like eight. Yeah, I did too, but I, it's only six. Um, okay. But uh, yeah. it's uh, I did I thought he had eight too. I think we're confusing yeah. maybe with uh, the uh, Norris's or something with uh, Bobby yeah. Orr, but I don't know. Um, Any, yeah. Anyway, but, um, it, it's it, by the way, people are gonna be be upset because it sounds like we're shitting off recording. Yeah, we're totally not. He was no. amazing. Just he, that we're he, he might not have been the MVP in some of these years. Yeah, he but he absolutely was the MVP in two years. Right, right. But he yeah. was the MVP in two years that he didn't win, for yeah. sure. And he yeah. did. He got robbed. So like it, it actually sort yeah, of evens out exactly. historically because yeah. like two these two recent ones he probably didn't deserve. Certainly this one he didn't deserve. But like those other two he totally did. So um, 
it might end up that, you know, I don't know when we get to number six, we'll see how we feel about it. But yeah. um, so in 1961, uh, Jeffrey on won it. Um, this yeah. is his first. He was on the Habs, of course, and the Habs were once again, shock of all shocks, the best team in the league, but this time barely the best team in the league. Yeah. Uh, only two points ahead of the Maple Leafs. So um, nice to see a little bit of competitive uh, <laughs> competitiveness there. Um so, Jeffreyan uh, won the Art Ross with 95 points, five points ahead of his teammate Bellavo, um, and he also had, uh, I believe, the most points per game. Yeah, 1.48, which was uh, 0.18 ahead of Bellavo, which is a fair amount. So, this to me, I'm I'm fine with this. Uh, yep. Best forward on the best team makes sense to me. Um, the Leafs were the best defensive team, but like. You know, then you're talking about like Bob Bond. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, let let's stick with Boom Boom and uh, yeah, I'm good I, I, if you are. I I think it's fair and it, but it's it's um it's weird voting too though because you know it's like he doesn't have the most first place votes but he wins. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Bauer. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah, but Johnny Bauer first got... place votes. Like that's, yeah, that's a lot I, of their votes. I'd have to hold on. Um. Let me see, 1960, 61 uh, awards voting. Hold on. I'm going to see, like, how few other votes Bauer got. He got 23 second place votes compared to 55 second for Jeffrey on. Wow. Yeah, so it's, uh, but yeah, I, I think very clearly it's Jeffrey on's award. Like, I don't think there's any debate for, for me anyway, like. You know, yeah. if, if we if we weren't giving if we weren't giving the you know Al Rollins aside and uh, who's the other one Rainer, um, those like anomalies aside, I think we were sort of in agreement. If Bill Dernan's not winning them on a good defensive team, if your team's good defensively, you shouldn't be getting votes. It's like yeah. it's either clearly like this guy got shelled and played magnificently like almost like a like a courage award or this guy dragged his team to the playoffs and was such a great goalie on a bad team like that's the only way that it seems that a goalie should win in that era um and i think even when we get to like theodore and um uh, hashik winning it it's like if you're not on that team that team is terrible like that team's bottom third of the league without you and you easily brought them to the playoffs because you were amazing like that's when you win a heart now and i think even back then except that you didn't even need to make the playoffs really um, <laughs> back yeah then, sometimes so like for, for to, to me for um for bauer to get all those first place votes it's like he was on a great defense like did we not establish that like Bridger's not winning this because the Devils trap it up, so we're not giving him any award. Like, but we established this. If the team's good, he's not supposed to get it because the team would be good even if they put in some plug. It wouldn't yeah. matter, right? Like, you put in an average goalie and they'd still easily make the playoffs because the rest of the team is so good. It's, you have to be the difference maker. And uh, it didn't seem like Bauer was that, but who knows, right? Like, we obviously we did not watch any of those games, so could have yeah. been the case. But it also could have been a case of everybody in Toronto loved them and they were, this is the year we're going to get them the thing. And then, ah, uh, no. It was Although pretty. Then, you would assume they just wouldn't have voted for Jeffrey on at all, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He had so many second place votes that. 
Yeah, he did. He he like basically the whole league voted for him in second, yeah. or who didn't vote for him in first. So up next we have uh, another of my favorite uh, awards because it's a heart trophy for a goalie. This is for Jacques <laughs> Plante in 1962. He was the uh, the goalie of the first place Canadians, um, and uh, he had a pretty good year. So. Uh, I'm going to have a hard time, I guess, complaining about this one. He led the league in save percentage and goals against average in hockey references, uh, gold saved above average metric, which is, as I've mentioned before, just a, an indication of how much better than the average goalie he was. 37 is on the higher end. Often you lead the league in like in the twenties or something. Uh, there's some guys who've had better years and some guys who have worse uh, while leading the league. Um, the theory here, I think, is that basically uh, the Habs were the best team in the league by, you know, not a, a huge amount, but a, a 13 points is a fairly big amount in 17. That's, in yeah. Um, not their most dominant season ever, but certainly dom- more dominant than some. Uh, and uh, they didn't have any offensive stars uh, at all. Um, they were actually, uh, they were still somehow the best offensive team in the league, but they were, uh, very much the best defensive team too. And their best player, um, was Ralph Backstrom, at least from a forward perspective, uh, which is, you know, um, there are, there's, I, I've seen at least one or heard, I can't remember if I saw a post on the internet or heard a call in, but I've heard, heard at least one argument that he, Ralph Backstrom should be in the Hall of Fame, but no one actually believes that except for one guy. So, and it was probably Ralph Backstrom, actually. <laughs> uh, you know, like everybody, everybody on the Habs, like there were lots of off years, right? Like Backstrom led the team 65 points in 66 games. Yeah. Uh, Joffrey, uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey had 59 points. Uh, Beliveau was hurt. Dickie Moore only 41 in 57 games. You know, so like wow. the reasoning seems to be the Habs were the best, uh, and they couldn't pick a forward. Um, some people thought Doug Harvey should win and vote it. He came in second in terms of the voting. Wow. Um, but Doug Harvey, uh, it wasn't, you know, he uh, he won the Norris, I believe, but it wasn't, uh, let me double check, he won the Norris? He usually did. Won the Norris most years back then, yeah, he did. Um, yeah. But uh, it wasn't his best um, offensive year. If, if uh, where is Doug Harvey? Why can't I see him? Oh, oh, is this after he got traded? This might oh, be after okay. Harvey got traded. Was this his last? This might be his last Norris, and that's why I can't find him on the Habs roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is when he won the Norris on the Rangers. Never mind. Okay, so so they couldn't give it to Doug Harvey. So the choices were like Jean Guy Tablet, um, in terms of defensemen. It was basically Jean Guy Tablet who had possibly the best year of his career this year, and nobody seems to think that like no one voted for him as far as I can tell. But the weird thing, as is often the case with these, is that, of course, uh, Bobby Hull um, came in third, despite winning the Art Ross. See, that's so weird. Like, yeah. especially, it's, it's not like he was winning tons of them, and therefore you're like, ah, let's give it to somebody else. It's like, no, he, he hadn't won. Like, did, did he even have one before that? 
I don't I don't think he'd he'd won yet. Um yeah, like I think his 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 uh heart comes later, I believe. Uh in 60 yeah, 65. Okay. So we're almost there, yeah. Yeah. But um but like here's the other thing is Andy Bathgate who we just chastised for winning a heart when his team is the playoffs had had tied uh Bobby Hull for for the uh the points lead but didn't get the Art Ross because you know um he had fewer goals but he had a better year than he did the year he won the heart wow so like so weird, eh? <laughs> I mean I do I just don't sometimes I have no idea what anyone was I mean I know at the time when they voted for Bathgate they didn't know um he was gonna have a better yeah. year but like um I'm just double checking. Oh, I'm sorry. He had sorry. He didn't have quite as good a year. But the thing is, his team had a way better year. Sorry, yeah. my mistake. He, so he had four fewer points. He still tied for the league lead, which he didn't the year he won the heart. And uh, and his team also made the playoffs, which they didn't in the year he won the heart, which makes no sense. Um, so both both so Bobby Hull and Andy Bathgate both scored 84 points, and their teams both made the playoffs. So. Not that I like necessarily personally. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm on the record as saying I don't think goalies should win the heart. I think there should be a separate trophy for goalies. But since there, you understand the reasoning in the case here, except for the fact that usually it went to a forward who led the league in points on a playoff team. Like that was the standard most of the time, except for when those years when it wasn't the standard, which is there have been a bunch of them. In, in the late 50s and early 60s, but we, you know, we mostly it's been like, is the league leader or one of the league leaders on a on a good team? The yeah. answer yes. Then give them the heart trophy. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but it's it's like we since that since that you know um, that parameter is not sort of set in any sort of you know this is consistently the way we've done it. It's applied really unevenly. So it's like yeah. if you like the guy. Um, and he had a good year. He's never had this kind of year before, or the rest of his team was kind of meh, and he was great. Then you feel like giving it to him, but you're like, there's another guy who scored more points than him, and his team was clearly better. And you know, he, you know, finished this many points ahead. Like last year when they gave it to Kucherov, some people were like, oh yeah, he played on like one of the greatest teams of all time, and you're just like, he finished like 30 points ahead of his next teammate. Like that's a pretty significant gap. You know, yeah. he's doing some pretty special things there. You know, they're good because he's great. Um, you know, or maybe the team, you know, broke records because he was putting up 130 points. Um, and I, I feel like it's the same sort of thing that's starting to be debated now because Dreisaitl's at like 107 and McDavid's still in the 90s. And it's like people are like, oh, he's going to get the heart. And some people are like, no, he can't get the heart. And it's like, can you just like he's getting it? Well, yeah, he's playing with McDavid all the time. They're like, yeah, but he has more points than him. So yeah. like he's got to be scoring some of those without McDavid on the ice. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and in somewhere I, I find it weird, right? If somebody, if if teams, or if if sorry, not if teams, if if reporters don't like a certain guy, or they think he's, you know, oh, he's uh, he's not defensively responsible, so you can't give it to him. It's like what? Like you just don't like that guy because any other guy, like Taylor Hall, had a season like that, he got it, no problem. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the arguments are always selective, and they they're only deployed when they're useful to the people deploying them, and then exactly. they're forgotten the next time. I mean, and, and this isn't quite the same, but Bobby Hull led his team in points by seven. That is not a lot over 70 games. It, it, you know, it's not as dominant as some people, but he's still, it's not like he, you know, 
he was tied for the, his team lead in points or whatever. You know, he had seven more points than Sam Makita. That is um, decent. I I also, let me check Bathgate's situation. Um, I can't believe I'm arguing for a Bathgate <laughs> vote. At least votes, anyway, at the very least. After I, That's the thing, right? Is like, guys should be nominated when they deserve it and win when they yeah. deserve it and not the years they don't. So Bathgate has an even better case in terms of the dominating player on his team. He led his team by 24 this year. Wow. So that's, that's Dean Prentice yeah. had 60 and Bathgate had 84. Yeah. And, and, the, and the team did better, right? So. And the team was better than the year that Bathgate won the heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, to me, both of those players are better choices than Plant, just because this is normally a award that is, an award that is given to forwards. Yeah. And sometimes defensemen, but usually forwards. And the like once a decade goalie thing goalie thing, maybe I mean I don't know, maybe maybe was this the best season of Jacques Blanc's career? Uh I don't know. I have to look that up. But like it 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 just seems like they were like they really wanted to pick a hab and they were flummoxed by the fact that Ralph Backstrom had sixty five points and led the team and the best players on the Habs were hurt or had bad years. And yeah. so they were like, had to explain it somehow. So what do we do? We, uh, you know, um, we, uh, we give let's, it to let's, pick, let's pick a star on a good team, right? Like, let's yeah, yeah, pick, exactly. Let's not pick Backstrom. Nobody else is going to vote for him. He won't win it. Like, so well, it's like throwing the vote away almost. Right. So, so Plant had a, a had a, a good year, but he had like pretty incredible years, uh, with St. Louis and well, well, sorry, he was. Here's the other thing I missed. He played the whole season. Oh, okay. I totally like missed that. I, for every single game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Okay. You know what? Maybe I should just shut up. <laughs> I'm. I don't know how I missed that when I was. Uh, I I failed to note uh, that he he played every single game. Every yeah. Single I, I, I think you almost like um, just the way that you typically really would like it to not go to a goalie. I think you're almost like required to start arguing against it before being convinced, right? <laughs> that, but, that, is, that is my position, generally speaking. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. I, other than Hashik, you know, those years where he was just so clearly like in God mode, I don't yeah. think you would give it to too many goalies in the history of the NHL. Maybe, you know, maybe some years where the goalie played every single game, like maybe Glenn Hall back in the day or Bernie Parra or, um, you know, Hashik when he was in God mode or, uh, uh, let's see, maybe Patrick Roy, but Pat, Patty Roy only sort of did that in the playoffs, right? Where it's just like, oh, yeah. no, you cannot score on this guy anymore. Like He just decided it's over. Um, you know, he didn't really do that in the regular season, so... He would never sort of be up for the Art Ross. And then there was that year that Theodore won it. And it was like he was the only reason they made the playoffs. But, you know, it was sort of out of character for how good of a goalie he had been and was after. Right. So, well, um, yeah. And I was about to say, like, he had like Jacques Plant had better years as a goalie for the for the Blues and the and even the Leafs later in his career in terms of both save yeah. percentage and GAA. Um, and even even if you adjust, like even hockey references adjusted goals against average, it's still better um, those seasons. However, he played half as many games in those seasons basically as he did in this season. So okay. like, I yeah I yeah I stupid. The thing is, I didn't write down that he played 
a full season, like every single game of the season. And I yeah. miss, yeah, I miss that he was. So that that does change. Like this, I feel like this could be one of those exceptions where I'm willing to admit it, just because it's so rare. Oh my god, goalies. it's so exceptional to for a goalie to play even close not, to all. Not the only play every single game of the season, but to lead the league in wins, save percentage, GAA. He yeah. didn't lead the league in shutouts, but he clearly didn't need to. Um, yeah. You know, and and minutes, uh, shots against, total saves, like basically everything. Uh, but he led the league in everything but losses, which is the one thing you're and shutouts and losses is the one thing you're not supposed to lead the league in. So yeah, okay, I'm I, I'm good with it. I just I suddenly I changed I completely changed my tune from looking at that. Aha. Finally got you on team goalie. <laughs> Just, but like, like very much, uh, you know, exception to the rule sort of thing. Uh, like I, I, uh, I think this is a very exceptional season now that I realize he played so many games, right? Like it's just such a rare thing to do to play the yeah, whole season. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's like, um, there's no backup. I, I don't know if he got any votes and I mean, we'll, we'll get there eventually, but that year, um, that year that uh, that Detroit finally uh, finally broke through when they beat um, or maybe it wasn't the year they broke through maybe it was the year the Abs beat them in the next round um, no I, I think I've got it right I think it's the year they finally broke through and won the cup but they they beat uh, St. Louis in those playoffs when Iserman had that crazy slap shot and he scored on John Casey because Kiprios had blown out uh, blown out Grant Fuhr's knee and that that season Grant Fuhr played like 79 out of 82 games and yeah. I'm wondering if he got some heart consideration that year because that is that is absolutely insane probably like, did yeah. yeah you you would hope and they were they were a really good team too um so it's you know i i think when it's that exceptional of a um i i guess like a baseball equivalent you know like a pitcher just you know never misses an inning you know he's throwing complete games all the time it's like how much value does that represent well like if a pitcher won if a pitcher won 30 games in this day and age Right, I know wins aren't aren't what they used to be, but like if a pitcher won thirty games and was good while doing it and didn't do it because of the offense of his team, you know, like you'd be it'd be a hard case to argue against that he wasn't the MVP, right? Absolutely, I, I yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think that you know, it. I I still think this is very much a skater award for me personally but like this is such an exceptional outlier like mm-hmm. i literally i just looked at the team and there's no backup listed you know wow. like <laughs> yeah. like there, there might be a, there's an actual backup on the roster somewhere i think well i don't even see him but there's no backup no no back you know nobody played a minute of wow. backup goaltender uh goal uh, goal for the the anyway that's that's incredible it it's one thing to do that in like a 24 game season yeah. or a 44 game season. It's another thing to do it in a 70 game season. Yeah. It's pretty wild. All right. Eating, eating my, uh, you know, whatever my humble pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so 1963, um, we have Gordie Howe and his final heart trophy. Uh, he was on the Red Wings who were, uh, not great. They were, uh, fourth in a 16 league. So they barely made the playoffs. However, it should be noted that it was a really close season among the four best teams this year. 
And then the Red Wings were only five back of the number one team. Wow. So there were five points between uh, first and fourth. And then uh, the Red Wings were 21 points ahead of the, the team that missed the uh, fifth best team, which were the Rangers. So the fact that they were in fourth is a little bit of a misnomer. And like, they were they were still the fourth best team even by SRS and by SRS it's a little more oh god I didn't turn off my phone again Jesus <laughs> you'd think you'd learn lessons but no no okay we can't have that um so uh, Gordy Howe uh, wins the heart he he also won the Art Ross he led the league in goals um. So, applying the criteria that they stopped applying for 1962, <laughs> where where I point out, as much as I decided I was okay with a Jacques Plant, Bobby Hall was on the third best team and led the league in points and goals. But anyway, um, it's 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 almost like he didn't have the reputation yet, or yeah. you know, it's he's kind of a well-known jerk as well, so maybe yeah. that factored in, right? He got the Barry yeah. Bonds treatment. But basically, I mean, the the only argument against Gordie Howe that I can see in 1963 is that it should have gone to a player on the Leafs who were the best team, uh-huh. uh, by by both by wins and by SRS. Though no, one, oh no, sorry, my mistake. They're barely not the best team by SRS. But of course, SRS didn't exist in 1963, so nobody knew that. Um, so the argument you could make an argument for Frank Mahovlich, but he only had 73 points. You can make an argument for Henri Richard, who had 73 points as well. But, of course, both of them were well back of Gordie Howe with his 86 points. Andy Bathgate had 81, but he was on the fifth-place Rangers, so we don't want to do that again. Um, and Bobby Hall didn't. Uh, I believe Bobby Hall was hurt this season. So, I don't know about you, but to me, uh, we're back to a, 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 heart, a Howe Hart trophy again that he absolutely deserved, and there's no reason to question it whatsoever in my mind. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. All right, so 1964 is Beliveau's second uh, when he was on the... Of course, he was on the Canadians, and they were the best team in the league again, but this time they were the best team only by points. SRS has them as the second best team. Of course, nobody knew that at the time. Uh, they were they finished only one point ahead of the Blackhawks in the standings, and the Blackhawks, by hockey references, SRS, were actually the better team. Um, Stan Makita... Uh, scored nine, sorry, 11 more points than Jean Belva. So the question is, do you think that Belvo deserved it by being the best player on the best or second best team in the league? Best forward, rather, on the best or second best team in the league, even though he was 11 points off the lead? Um, or... Or do you think it belonged to either Makita, who had 89 points, or Bobby Hull, who had 87 points, both of which are much more than mm. Belvo? The Blackhawks, as I said, the Blackhawks were second, but by SRS were actually the superior team. Yeah. What's But the, I, I think those were the years where the Blackhawks were starting to pick up, and so if the two of them played together, you know, the, it's sort of like the, the McDavid-Dreisaitl argument. Like, well, yeah, they're playing with each other. Yeah. So of course they have a ton of points, you know, and like Belly Bowes, you know, I mean he's playing on the halves. It's not like he's playing with a bunch of scrubs or anything, but <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe he doesn't have that running mate sort of like, 
it's almost like they would split the vote, right? Like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm voting for one of the Chicago guys, but. Well, I thought they did, but but Makita barely got any attention. Makita got only twelve first place votes, and he and no and very few second place votes because he finished fifth in voting for some crazy reason, despite winning the Ross. So, so here, yes, to your argument, Bellabo had uh, twenty-two points more than Bobby Russo. So that you're absolutely right. The argument very much was. I think the narrative absolutely was Bobby Hall and Stan Makita are making each other better. Nobody is making Bellavo better except yes. for himself. Yeah, and, and and think about, you know, what what year is that? I think it's uh It's sixty four. Yeah, so sixty four and how many more years did Bellavo play, right? Like what yeah. maybe five more years? Six yeah. more years? Um, so maybe it was like, well, we haven't really given him one of these and he's pretty damn good. <laughs> this might be the year to do it. Um, you know, well, this like, is a second. Okay, well, second, but I mean, still, with a player of his stature, you're kind of like, you know, he's getting up there in age. We're, we might not get get another chance to give him one, and, you know, he's so universally, you know, beloved and respected that probably some guys just voted on him because he's great, you know, just like, wow, what a nice guy. I'll vote for him. Um, yeah, but I, mean, I, I, it, I think you could be right about the narrative yeah, there. But it's, yeah. it's, it's so hard to say anything about voting against Bellivo unless you're just like, I mean, Art Ross obviously is purely for points. Um, you know, as, a, as an all-around player, I I don't really know how great Bobby Hull was having not seen him play. But uh, Well, I'm know, arguing for Makita here. Yeah, well, th- that's the thing. Like, if I'm, you know, if you're... If you're asking most people who was the better player, they're going to say Bellyville, right? So a lot of people wouldn't have an issue with it. And even back then, I'm sure, especially, you know, sort of being that, um, you know, sort of that not not quite elder statesman of the game, but, you know, being a proven winner and having that sort of respect, you know, kind of like, I guess you just put like a modern day equivalent on it, sort of like, um, like a Steve Eiserman kind of guy where you're just like, everybody respects this guy. And if he's in the running for the award, they're going to give it to him. Like, why wouldn't they? Cause he's so, just got that rep. Maybe that's it. Right. So, yeah, I, I think there, I agree with you about the narrative cases. I think there is an argument to be made against at least the first of those narrative cases though, that I get that Bellavo here, Bellavo was scoring a lot of points on the best team in the league. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and also Bellavo is known for being, at, le- at the very least, above average defensively, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. So, okay, fine. But the thing is, like, I, I, and I feel this way more and more the older I get. I don't think you should punish players who have excellent years for the fact that they have good teammates. I agree like, with that. Like, and, and just, I apologize for the brief detour in the basketball, but there are some people currently trying to argue that Giannis Antetokounmpo does not deserve the heart trophy. Uh, the heart trophy, Jesus, the the basketball MVP this year because his team is really, really good even when he's not playing. The thing is, when he's playing, they're one of the best teams in the history of the NBA. When he's not yeah. playing, they're just a good team. And so yeah, the exactly. argument is, well, LeBron is making his okay team into a very good t- team, so therefore he's more deserving, even though his statistical case isn't as good as Giannis's. And he yeah, actually and also, also has the better second-best team. Sorry? Yeah, like you were just about to say, he's also another superstar playing with him, yeah, too. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, the supporting cast on the Lakers is much worse than the supporting cast of the Bucks yes. after you get past the number two player. Okay. But 
the argument is is basically like LeBron should win it because his teammates suck more on the whole, which is like <laughs> not. And I think is essentially the Belovo argument here is Belovo should win it because his teammates are worse yeah. than Makita's. And I'm like, I don't like that. I you know like Makita, unless you can show me, and maybe someone can, that that Belovo's impact defensively was worth those eleven points. Yeah that I'm inclined to give it to Makita. And I just like to, in defense of that, the Blackhawks scored nine more goals than the Canadians did over the season. And they gave up only two more. So yes, the Habs were the second best or the, the best team in the league defensively, but by two goals the the Blackhawks were almost as good. So and, yeah. So you're... And so like, you know, and, and that, that comes down primarily to, to goaltending, of course, you know they. I believe the Blackhawks had a, uh, a Hall had a really good year this year. Uh, is my under? Yeah, yeah. He led the he led uh, all goalies in in point shares and uh, you know wins and and Plon had a good year too. It looks like, but um, anyway, I I uh, yeah, Glenn Hall was the best uh, goalie by goal saved above average. Uh, Plon actually didn't have the Bulls' best year. Now that I look closer. Um, <laughs> Oh, he wasn't. Oh, God. He, all these guys changed teams more than I remember. Um, wrong goalie. Uh, the goalie for, at this point, Plant had been, was he, what was he up to? <laughs> oh, yeah, he'd been traded already. Jesus. I thought he was traded later in the 60s. Anyway, uh, it was Charlie Hodge, but uh, Charlie Hodge had a decent year. Anyway, um, I don't know. I just, unless, like, unless people strongly believe that Belovo is worth the, those extra uh, points, um, I, I think to me, Makita probably should have won personally. Um, and, and you know, I, I don't think Belvo is like a disastrous choice or a terrible choice or anything. I understand it. I just think that Makita has a good case. And I, I, I think it's, especially with the benefit of hindsight and understanding the Blackhawks really were the better team, um, you know, in terms of goal differential. Um, I, I, I'm, I mean, the Art Ross winner was on the best team in the league, really. It's just the stupid point system made everyone think that the Canadians were slightly better. Um, yeah. I, I, my vote would be for Makita, personally. But uh, but you can you, we're allowed to disagree with each other, I, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'd just leave it with Billy Bo. Um Controversy. I know, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's enough of a difference for me to want to take Regis, and so I kind of, in those cases, since we weren't around to see them play, um, you know, and we can go back and watch as much game footage as we want, but it's not the same sort of thing. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to take one away unless you're like that guy has no case, you know. Otherwise, I'm like, there must have been something, and like I said, it could have just been he was a nicer guy. Um, you know, the Blackhawks were. Uh, a really good team, but sort of, you know, um, I guess not as well respected as the Habs or didn't have the reputation, uh, which, you know, sometimes that stuff really, really annoys me. But to me, it's like if Makita does that and he has no Bobby Hull on his team or Hull had been hurt half, half the season, then it's, yeah, uh, this guy got jobbed. This is like, uh, you could make an argument for any one of those three and probably they just said, well, let's, you know, old reliable, let's give it to a Hab. Why not, right? <laughs> Like, um, 
Okay. I, I, I feel like that, that's where the writers were must have been coming in. And, you know, like I said back in those days, too, I'm, I'm pretty sure the unless there was someone who made such a stunning case that you couldn't really vote any other way. I'm pretty sure the Montreal writers were mostly voting for Habs every year. And most years, they one of their players would have a case because the team was so damn good all the time. Yeah. What I don't really understand is why uh, Makita got so few votes compared to everybody else. Like yeah, it's it's strange. Everyone very much believed that Bobby Hull was the better player at the time because he got way more votes. Nowhere near as many as Belovo. It was a pretty like Belovo won the won the award handily in terms of the voting, but like Makita got like, you know, um, anyway. All right, uh, moving on to Bobby Hull actually winning the heart uh, in 1965. <laughs> um, though it's it's worth pointing out, poor Stan Makita. Um. Stan Makita had a uh, a much better year <laughs> than Bobby Hall. So, um, so here here so Bobby Hall missed some games, but even with missing the uh, but so Makita led Bobby Hall in the points by sixteen. Uh-huh. Uh, but Bobby Hall, of course, missed some games. So everyone who apparently doesn't know how to do any math uh, <laughs> thought. Okay, well, clearly he actually, had he played the whole season, he would have scored more than Stan Makita. That is not true. Stan Makita also led Bobby Hall in points per game by .08, which is not insignificant. It's not hugely significant, but it's not insignificant. Um, The Blackhawks were, again, not the best team. In fact, they were worse uh, previous year. Uh, they They were tied the Red Wings for the best offensive team in the league. Um, they were uh, the third worst defensive team in the league, but that sounds worse than it is because they were actually only three goals off being the best defensive team. So they were only oh, slaves. Yeah. Um, SRS has them as uh, the actually the second best team. Uh, so I shouldn't have said that they were that much worse. Um, the the other so so again I I like. The voting is so weird. You know, once again, I, McKenna didn't face in the top five. I'm not even sure. I, I can look up where he... Uh, uh, I'll see where he finished total voting. Um, but he didn't... I only write down the top five, and he didn't even finish in the top five. Like, that's, this was so... Yeah. Because yeah. Bobby Hull missed nine games, so everyone decided he must have been... Oh, yeah, so they only have... Hockey Reference only has top five voting. So Makita, as far as we know, didn't get votes. Um. To, to me, that's got to be, you know, people saying like, you know, well, last year, you know, uh, I, I, I didn't win it because, you know, everybody in Montreal voted for that belly bowl fella. So this year, let's all get together and everybody vote for Bobby. Don't well, vote for Stan because you're he, throwing away yeah, your vote. Like, yeah, he did pretty well. I mean, Omen, Omen got enough second and lower place votes that he, he came in a fairly close second, but Hull still got the vast majority of the first place votes. Yeah. So I, maybe that's it, right? We're not there. We don't know what it was like with the voting and stuff, but you got to assume the writers must've talked to each other, but like, who are you voting for? Like, Oh, Bobby this year. But like, well, I was, you know, I was like going to flip a coin, but uh, I'll go with Bobby too. and give him a better chance of winning it. Like who knows yeah. how that goes. Right. And yeah. there, there's so few teams that like, you know, every, I don't even know how many guys used to, used to vote back then, but I'm guessing what, like 30, um, well, given the number of first place votes, I would say it's much more than that. Um, 
Uh, I would say, well, I don't know. I don't know if you maybe got more than one first place vote. But if you didn't, if you got only one first place vote, we're talking about 130 people, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I had no idea it was going to be but that But I, I don't know what the voting system was. It could be that they yeah. were they were allowed to give more than one first place vote, which would skew everything. But they maybe yeah. maybe that's maybe, true. But, well, you, you know what? It's one of those things where you know I'm I'm thinking about writers and I'm thinking like, you know, there's six teams. They couldn't have had more than five beat writers. Yeah. No, I know. I don't know why there are a hundred and something first. No, but th- then I then I just thought about it and how every town on the entire continent had a newspaper and yeah. probably every guy got a vote, right? Like, Maybe, yeah, like, yeah. That's a good thought. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure somebody writing for like the Peoria newspaper, I'm gonna guess the Peoria Post, um yeah. uh, you know, would have had a vote. And it's like, okay, um, you know, uh Gainesville, Florida, but like, we don't even have a team. Be like, you ever seen a hockey game? Sure, you get a vote. Like just yeah. I, I don't know how it worked, right? Like, but yeah. you would have to assume that even smaller town writers from the sort of region of like, you know, the Maple Leafs or the region of the Blackhawks, the region of Detroit that they would, you know, like I'm sure the Windsor writers are getting votes and, you know, yeah. then they're like, who do we vote for a leaf or a wing? Like, <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, there, there, there must've been a lot of guys voting. I'm assuming a lot of, and, and Montreal, you got to double it because it's English and French. So. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's a good theory. Cause I don't otherwise know why there'd be a hundred and something voters. Um, I mean, to me, Makita has a better case than Bobby Hall. Norm Ullman has a better case than Bobby Hall. Uh, maybe even, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't agree with Bobby Hall getting this one. I, I think he should have won a previous award, but yeah. I don't think he should have won this one. Um, well, I'm not 100% sure about it. Well, there was one from the like early 60s, I think we both sort of thought he should have won. Anyway, I don't know how you feel. I'm... I'm I think this is a little unfair to make like two in a row that Makita yeah. could have won. I, I, I think Makita probably should have gotten one of them. I don't know why he didn't. Um, and, you know, Bobby Hull, obviously uh, a lot of people would consider him to be like a top 10 all time player yeah. or at least a top five all time winger. Um, so, you know, it's like to, to have him win the award is not like a tragedy, but at the same time, it does feel like Makita's sort of getting... The, uh, well, and how does that narrative change if Makita wins, say, three hearts in the 1960s? Yeah, or, especially you know, those two back-to-back. In, instead yeah. of one or yeah. two or whatever it is he ended up winning. I don't remember. Um, but, like, anyway, yeah, I think if he wins two back-to-back there, people's um, uh, ideas of him as a player historically... Like, I know lots of people think Makita is one of the greatest players ever, uh, I mean, you know, not top 10, but like, say, I don't know, top 25 or something like that. But like, I think that changes if he wins, you know, especially if he wins back to back hearts in 64. 64. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, 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 I think for for the um, for the Blackhawks too, uh, even for Bobby Hull, the fact that they never had prolonged playoff success also is a real uh, that's a real tough one for them. Right. They kept getting upset in the playoffs, even when they were very, very good. Um, yeah. You know, losing some some heartbreaking finals to Montreal and stuff like that. You know, having having a two nothing lead and giving up a goal from center and then losing like uh, those are those are losses that hurt those guys' legacies, right? Because yeah. talk about a guy like Bellyville and a lot of people are like, oh yeah, but everybody always talks about Richard because he was flashier. Be like, yeah, well Bellyville was sort of the old steady guy and won like nine cups. So yeah. <laughs> um, there's that. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's it's that playoff success, right, that defines like. 
yeah. even a guy like even a guy like today, right? Like um, Joe Joe Thornton, you know, yeah. big big guy, uh, you know, play you know doesn't play the game dirty or anything like that. He's you know has all these like amazing point totals. He's been playing forever, and no playoff success. And people are just like are debating like should he even be in the Hall of Fame? And I'm just like really like he's such he's been such a good player for so long yeah no that's like, i think that that if, if com- he wins three or four cups you're, he, people are probably talking about him in the same breath as like a belly bowl like a big strong tall center that's just so hard to play against and you know like a wizard with the puck but instead it's i don't even think he should go in like what <laughs> but i think that narrative changed a little bit when they went to the finals yes um, probably yeah. One would hope, right? I have heard it less, let's say, but I also pay less attention to hockey than I used to, so maybe that's just because I'm paying less attention. Um, so, Bobby Hull won two in a row. He won 66 as well. And this time, he, he may have deserved it, which is nice. Because um, he, he set the record, uh, either tied or set the record for points in a season with 97. I think he broke it. And uh, the Blackhawks were good again. Um, they were uh, second best team in the league again, but still. Um, and uh, I guess Bobby Russo and Belvo were deemed not to be good enough this time because they were on the better team. The Habs were once again the best team in the league by uh, record and by SRS. But they had so many. I mean, Belvo was 20 points behind Bobby Hall this time, and Bobby Russo was 19. So. You know, that's a pretty big gap over 70 games. Um, and uh, and also, uh, Hull was up. Uh, it's it's almost like he wanted to show everyone that he really did deserve the heart because he, you know, led Makita by 19 as well. And this time, he had the highest points per game in the league by a lot, by over 0.3 PPG, which is insane. Wow. So this is like a no-doubter. After after very much questioning the 1965, I mean, this is to me, this is just so clear cut. Um, you know, like I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you really wanted to struggle, you could make a case for a defenseman on the Habs. Um, if you really wanted to, like, you know, split hairs and stuff. But uh, um, I don't know. Do you have any? <laughs> do you feel like this is undeserved in any way? Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an easy one. Uh, he he just he uh, romped over the league. Okay, so so lastly for this this episode we have Stan Makita's first heart. Yay! Finally, <laughs> um, he tied Bobby Hull's point record of the previous year with 97 again. Bobby Hull pulled a Stan Makita and had 17 less than Stan Makita did. Wow. Sam Mikita led the league in points per game by uh, 0.18, so almost 0.2, which is nowhere near as much as Bobby Hull did the season before, but still. Um, and the Blackhawks were the best team in the league this time. So once again, they're the best team in terms of uh, goals for by uh, over 50 goals, which is a lot in 70 games. And they were the best defensive team, believe it or not. They were just far and away the best team in the league. Makita had the best season of any forward. I think you could, um, I guess, presumably you could make an argument for uh, Pierre Pilote for uh, the Hart Trophy 
because they were a really good defensive team too, I guess. Uh, but uh, why, why like think too hard about it, right? Yeah, exactly. This seems pretty open and shut as well. Yeah, um, I, I I completely agree with that. The the last two are pretty uh, like there's there's no real other answer that jumps out or that you can even make a even I don't even think a a, a middlingly uh, convincing argument for them. It's like no, nah, it's clearly him. Yeah, like, like if it wasn't going to be him, it'd be Hull, and if it wasn't going to be Hull, it'd be Makita, and you know, like basically it's go- it's going to one of the two of them, no matter what happens, kind of thing. Yeah, like the the leading other leading scores in the league were so far off the pace. Norm Allman came in third, and Makita had twenty seven more points than it. You know. Yeah. And and uh, the Red Wings were uh, they missed the playoffs, so. Um, so there's no, you know, the only the only other person you could come up with an argument for, I think, is a defenseman who would have to be on the Blackhawks because the Blackhawks were all the, clearly the best defensive team in the league too. It wasn't even it wasn't a couple of goals; it was 18. So wow, that's a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, so like they were just so much like here's SRS. This is this is how so this is how good the Blackhawks were. SRS has them at almost a full so. Uh, uh, zero is is league average, right? Yeah. Blackhawks one point one two. Whoa. <laughs> the Canadians, who are the second best team in the league, zero point one seven. Man, almost a, a full point, which is not possible really in SRS. Barely possible. Like yeah. SRS only goes up. It's only supposed to be essentially from one to minus one. <laughs> you know, I guess so, something like that. So the Blackhawks were the very best team in the league by any standard. Um, Makita was the best forward in the league. Quibbling about someone else winning it seems really silly, as silly as the year before, if if not more so. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's nice to have an easy one every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's very nice to have an easy one once in a while, and uh, two two in a row. Um, so that is uh, all for our original six episode, our next part of this series, which we will record at some point in the future, is uh, going to be focused on the the era between expansion and the merger. So it's going to be much shorter. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure everyone's happy to learn. Um, it's just focused on 68 to 79-ish. So 11 years or thereabouts. So we hope you will uh, tune in for that one as well. Um, And we will see you then.